sports fans. I'm Daniel McCartan. McCartan After Midnight here with you on the fan in New York City. And we're going to be talking all things New York sports till 6 a.m. on this early Sunday morning. Or it's late Saturday night if you're still out and about. City that ever sleeps. Or maybe you're on vacation. Maybe you got us tuned in on the Odyssey app. Or maybe you're just working on a weekend like usual. Yes, me and Nick are too. And we are coming to you live from the Carton Roberts studio here in lower Manhattan. You guys know the number, 877-337-6666. And we will load them up with your best content only, please. And thank you. Just want to take a second to wish everybody happy Independence Day weekend. Or actually, Independence Day. Today is July 4th. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Thanks for making me and Nick and us part of your holiday weekend. So I've got some great guests lined up for you tonight. 340. I've got a special Subway Series edition of beatboxing for you guys. Tim Healy of Newsday is going to rep the Mets. Brendan Cuddy of uh, NewJersey.com, NJ.com, and the Star Ledger will rep the Yankees. And as you've come to expect, there will be a host choice winner. That's my choice and a listener's choice winner, which is your choice. So make sure that you're locked in for that live vote on my Twitter feed, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, in and around 3.40 a.m. And then at 4.40, in the second installment of my new Olympic segment, I'm calling it Homegrown, is a living, still-playing legend in the sport of basketball. The clues that I had given on my social media channels to tease this guest were, one, American flag emoji, and a basketball. I wanted that to signify Team USA basketball, right? Number two was I put the word from, and then I put the queen emoji. So from Queens, New York, obviously. And number three, I put 3-1 to signify her number. WNBA legend, Team USA center, and Queens native, Tina Charles will join us at 4.40 a.m. And last week's guest was Team USA Baseball and Tom's River's own Todd Frazier. That's posted up on the WFAN page, uh, all the pages there. The audio, just go to WFAN On Demand. And there's a video, surprise, on WFAN's Facebook page. So why don't we just, why don't we get that to 4,000 views? Because we are really close. Let the Hillary Duff, coming clean, come clean. Laguna Beach theme song from way back in the day. If you know, you know. And with that, the falling rain could not wash away the Yankees' problems Saturday in the Bronx. They've now lost six of their last seven games as the Mets took the first of three at the stadium. Quite honestly, it was yet another non-competitive game from the Yankees' standpoint. There was no fire, no grit, and therefore no hope. This was the first chance that the Yankees had to right their ship since the embarrassing, gut-wrenching, pitiful manner in which they lost to the Angels very late Wednesday night, technically Thursday morning. I was there. More on that in a minute. That game might have been, we might look back and say that was the inflection point for this Yankees season. After their manager and their owner spoke publicly about the state of this team, after Aaron Judge called a players-only meeting, Saturday to drop another lifeless game, this time against the Mets, 
Stick a fork in the mighty New York Yankees. Their 2021 season is just as good as over. For a group that had championship aspirations in the lead-up to this season, who kept telling you and keep telling you in these press conferences that they have confidence in their players, that they have the talent to turn it around. My suggestion for them is to take a good, long look in the mirror, proverbials proverbially speaking, they were no hit Saturday through five and a third innings. They had three hits, three hits all day long. The Yankees are currently right now, right now, 41 in 40 with the second highest payroll in baseball. It's embarrassing. This is the best team or the second best team that money could buy. Aaron Boone is almost at the Adam Guru level in his press conferences. He said after Saturday's game, this made me laugh. I laughed out loud when I heard this. The history of this game is littered with teams overcoming larger obstacles than this with a half season to go. I laughed at that point. And then he said, you can't start thinking about the margin you have to chase down. We got to go play well and become the team that we expect to be or else that becomes a moot point. There's that phrase again, become the team we expect to be. I told you last week, they're halfway, or last week they were just about halfway through the season. Those expectations need to be lowered. And maybe they finally got to the heart of realizing the problem, that their roster is constructed fundamentally wrong. It's something we knew on this show before this season started. Furthermore, this group of players does not have the grit and or the resolve to turn this season around. Blow it up. Blow the whole thing up. I cannot continue to watch opposing left-handed batters have their way in a ballpark that is basically custom-made for them. Cashman's been here a long time. Why doesn't he realize this? And I definitely cannot continue to watch Gary Sanchez. This is the first time I've said it out loud to you guys. I have seen enough of him. The faster that Brian Cashman could move him, the better. Remember what I've been telling you? How number one Cole didn't want Sanchez to catch him? About how in the starts leading up to and including number two Kluber's no-hitter, Sanchez was not behind the plate? Those guys, as I've told you, can dictate who they want their catcher to be. I also said guys like Tyone and Montgomery, they just can't. They don't have the clout to do so. Did you see the frustration from Jordan Montgomery today? Well, if you didn't, it was the top of the third. Sanchez got completely crossed up. Montgomery more than one time pointed his index finger in the air and said, it was one. It was one. The Meaning the first sign in the sequence. That was a complete mental implosion by the starting catcher of the New York Yankees to lead to that pass ball. It's just unacceptable. I've seen enough of it. And how many times do we have to withstand the phrase uttered by the Yankees' booth? And that gets away from Sanchez. Well, that happened in the top of the fifth. Sanchez, a major league catcher, reminder again, he didn't have his glove turned the right way. This is something I teach my softball players at the elementary level. The ball ricocheted away from him. He didn't know where it was in the slightest, and a run came home. At that point, the Yankees were still in the game. They were now down 3-0 with runners on second and third. So brutal, 
Sayonara Sanchez. Adios, amigo. You're out of here, dude. The faster Cashman can move you, the better. Because at what point do you decide that the Yankees are sellers at the deadline? Now, the answer's now. Forget about chasing down the Red Sox, who after the Subway Series game, the Yankees are, are 10 games behind. And the wild card race doesn't look all that much more promising because right now, uh, where is it? Wild card games back. The Yankees are five games out of the wild card race. And they're going to have to leapfrog one, two, three, four teams to get in. Cashman was asked this week about making changes to the manager and or the coaching staff. He responded, this is not an Aaron Boone problem and this is not a coaching staff problem. That's my opinion. Well, okay, but right now, as it stands, this is a, a team that is selling at the deadline. If they make any changes between now and maybe the next time I talk to you guys, this might change. But right now, as it's constructed, it doesn't look like it's going to change. So I think the Yankees are going to be sellers. Hal Steinbrenner, and might I add a well-timed meeting with the media, backed Cashman up. He said, Make no mistake about it, my opinion, the majority of the responsibility, whether it's the responsibility of the inconsistent offense or bad base running, the responsibility lies with the players. They're the ones on the field, right? This is Hal Steinbrenner. They need to fix this problem because everyone, including our fan base, and rightfully so, has had enough, quite frankly. It's enough. Well, Hal Steinbrenner, me and you are in agreement. So now what? There are two ways that this can go. One, Concede 2021 and build towards next season and beyond. Or two, can try to, to continue to try to add pieces at the deadline to contend in this season. I vote for option one, but I know the Yankees won't. Or maybe they will. Think about it. As much as people have placed Aaron Boone on the hot seat, Brian Cashman has to know that he is too. After all, he is responsible for the construction of this 500 team, for the players on the field that are not performing up to up to snuff, we should say. And one ring. And that ring wasn't really his, his team, which we've talked about on here. It's Stick Michael's team since the year 2009. It would be wrong, I think, to move either of them, Boone or Cashman, but in particular Cashman, right now at least, he's a smart man. A- what would be the incentive to improve this team with the possibility that he's out of here before or at the end of this season? He'd be assembling a team to compete against the Yankees after this season. Why would he want to make this team better? Or B, which is certainly more intriguing to me, which is I think the route they're going to go, is Cashman willing to sell the farm to keep his job? If they do move Cashman, who are they getting midseason? I was... Newark Airport had a ground stoppage yesterday, and I'm sitting in the car waiting to pick my parents up from the airport. I'm listening to Jody Mack last night. He's asking, who can they get midseason? I was practically yelling at the radio this name, which I've mentioned here before. It's going to be a little bit controversial. A.J. Hinch has a job in Detroit. Alex Cora got his same job back in Boston. Allow yourself to look at some of the positive of Jeff Lunau. One, he's a scout and a good one. He worked as a scout in the St. Louis Cardinals organization for many, eight, eight years it looks like. Eventually became their VP of player scouting and development. In his time here, the Cardinals won two World Series 
They lost the World Series, and they were bounced from an NLCS and an NLDS. And in oh, nine seasons, the Cardinals only missed the postseason three times. Two, Jeff Lunau's got a great eye for late-round draft talent. Think of some of the most productive Cardinals as of recent. Trevor Rosenthal, Matt Carpenter, Matt Adams, all Lunau's choices. How about some of the most productive Astros? Bregman, Correa, McCullers, Loriano. Yep, you guessed it, all Lunau guys. He'd be able to rebuild the farm because he's done it before. You know, MLB.com ranked the Yankees farm system 19th best in the league in 2020 and 18th best this season. All I'm saying is that if you can get past the fact that he was part of the Astros team, the cheating Astros team, like the Tigers and the Red Sox already have, and I'm sure any MLB team will be doing willing to do for a guy with his talent, why not? And I know that's wishful thinking. Cashman's not going anywhere. But anyway, back to the here and now. The Yankees say all the right things. They're not able to put it together on the field. It's been quite chaotic in Yankee Universe this week, to say the least. After Aaron Boone said on Monday, the season is on the line, he benched 2021 All-Star right fielder Aaron Judge and Gio Urshela against Shohei Otani Wednesday night. And then he doubled down on the decision and he said, I have to, at times, keep the big picture in mind, especially with him. The big picture? I'm sorry, maybe I missed it. Isn't the big picture to make the postseason and win a World Series? Isn't that the reason that two of your hottest hitters should remain in the lineup? Boone told uh, Carton and Roberts that, that he wasn't going to divulge any of the details of any of the conversations he had, but he said, but today was a day that I was pretty convinced he needed to be down. Man, if I'm Aaron Judge, when I saw that lineup posted, I'd be banging down the door of his office demanding to play Wednesday night. That's the same judge that called the team to his chambers for a players-only meeting. And they have not won a game since. None of it worked. So where does the team go from here? You didn't need to listen to his post-game press conference today. You already knew what he was going to say. Aaron Boone, reading off the script on the blue index card at the podium, said, it's definitely frustrating. I know what these guys are capable of. I know what we're capable of. Rinse, repeat. And good for the Mets. They earned the win Saturday over the Yankees. As much as the the themes of the Yankees stay the same, so do the themes of the Mets. One, let's start with the great starting pitching. The Mets' starting pitchers entering play Saturday had the best ERA in baseball, 2.9. Walker has been great, but where the Yankees needed to expose him was in loading the bases. Okay, it's a small sample size. He's only faced two batters this season so far in that scenario. But Tywan Walker's got uh, an ERA of 27. Instead, he was no-hitting the mighty Bronx Bombers through five and a third. I went back to my notes because I was curious. On November 8th, I asked all of you, who is the Yankees' number two starter? November 8th, this is. They really didn't have one. It was then, on November 8th, 2020, that I suggested Taiwan Walker. I said, he doesn't have a lot of experience, but he has a ton of upside. The Mets must have been listening on that November 8th because they were the only ones to offer him a deal. And now they're being rewarded. And number two, a theme for the Mets that's staying the same? They're hitting for average. The Mets hit the ball 14 
times Saturday, and not one of them was a home run. There was lots of consistent traffic on the base path. Stressful situations for Yankee pitchers, no? Mets were 5 for 17 with runners in scoring position. And I did the math. That's a batting average of 294. And they left 12 runners stranded on base. The Yankees, in case you were wondering, were 1 for 2 with runners in scoring position and only 5 left on base. It paid off for the Mets. The average going into Saturday's game, 3.6 runs per game. Second worst in the league. Against the Yankees Saturday, they scored 8. That's a touchdown and a two-point conversion. This weekend's games mark the 25th year of the Subway Series between the Yankees and the Mets, ever since interleague play was introduced. After Saturday's game, one which found the Mets victorious, the Yankees still, though, lead the all-time Subway Series 74 wins to the Mets 55. Throughout the years, you think of the more prominent players that have played for both teams, Doc Gooden, Dow Strawberry, Al Leiter, David Cohn, Torrey, Joe Torrey, played for the Mets, managed both. And you can't forget Yogi Berra, who played for both teams and managed both teams. I'm sure I'm missing some, but you get the picture. There's a lot of crossover in this series. I mean, maybe in, in your own household. There might be fans of each team. I know in mine there is. My dad's a Mets fan. My brother's a Yankee fan. You know, I was asked by my colleague out in sports radio in Vegas, Steve, the afternoon drive host out there. He said... He was wondering if people still cared about the Subway Series around here. He's a Jersey guy. He's been there for a while, though. So it was a good question. Here's what some of the people on the field during the series said prior to it starting. Aaron Judge, this is for bragging rights. You know the place is going to be packed out. Garrett Cole, who's pitching the first game Sunday later today, said it should be an electric atmosphere. Luis Rojas said the series was exciting last year. Facing the Yankees always is. But the excitement of the fans, it's immeasurable. We're looking forward to it. It should be an exciting weekend. You guys, whether you're a fan of the Yankees or the Mets, you know that this is a baseball town. So when the two teams play each other, yeah, I'd say it's still an exciting time for baseball here, regardless of the outcome. I've got some Subway Series-themed questions for you as we head to the first commercial break here. Number one, which contract is worse? The one the Mets gave Bobby Bonilla? or the one Brian Cashman honored for Giancarlo Stanton. As much as this time of year bothers Mets fans, Bobby Bo's payday, I'm going with Stanton's. It has grossly handcuffed the organizational decisions in regards to personnel, and it can't be undone. Actually, I did look at it. It might be able to be undone because the Marlins are going to eat $30 million, or they're going to pay at least $30 million of the contract in the years 2026, 27, and 28. Yankees might be able to get creative here, but otherwise, awful, awful job by Cashman there. And I say it now, and I am on the record saying it then. Go look. What a terrible move that was to get Giancarlo Stanton here. And number two, who's the biggest superstar in New York baseball? I consulted Merriam-Webster, superstar, noun. A star, as in sports or in the movies, who is considered extremely talented, has great public appeal, and can usually command a high salary. Mets fans are going to say DeGrom. Yankee fans are going to say Judge. I'll ask you, if you drop Judge and DeGrom in the middle of Times Square, who is more recognizable? 
while DeGrom is the better player, the superstar in New York is Aaron Judge. The answer is Judge. So let's get it going. I've set the table for you guys. It's time to eat your 2.24 a.m. snacks. Can't wait to talk with you guys. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan. After midnight on The Fan in New York City. Celebrate your July 4th like a pro with the fan all day as the Yankees and Mets continue their Subway Series with a good old-fashioned doubleheader. Tune in at 1.25 p.m. with first pitch at 2.05. Then it's more Subway Series action at 7.05 with pregame at 6.25. Driven by Jeep. Catch John Sterling and Susan Waldman with all the play-by-play right here on The Fan. Welcome back. To McCartan after midnight. You got me all night, everybody, till 6 a.m. here on the fan in New York City. Oh, man, what are we going to do with these Yankees, everybody? Good for the Mets. The Mets earned the win today. The Mets, see, I think Mets fans are, are quite annoyed that it's like doom and gloom on the Yankees. And, and it's like, well, you know, the Mets, the Mets did play the game today. I know the Yankees lost, but the, the Mets did win that game today. I put a poll up. My friend texted me, and she was like, hey, which channel are you watching the game on? And I was like, so I told her, and she was like, oh, I'm watching it on the other channel. And I was like, oh, this is an interesting poll. So I po- posed it to you guys. Are you watching the Subway Series on Yes or Picks 11 right now? It was 89 votes in 20 minutes. 37% of you watched on the Yes Network, which was Kay, Cone, and O'Neill. 63% of you watched it on Picks 11, which was Cohen, Darling, and Hernandez. Some of the responses made me laugh. At the Douglas Pucci said, Picks 11, as a Yankee fan, I don't, I don't regularly watch the Mets booth crew. They're a great listen. At Mets fan Matthew, you know where he's going with this, he wrote, best in the biz, and he put a gif of the booth crew, of the Mets, that is. And Chris Pulo said, Yankee fan, watching on Picks. Me? I watched on the Yes Network because you know why? I just, I love what what David Cohn brings to the booth. He, he's knowledgeable. He says, here's what I would do here. And he called it, right? He's almost like watching Tony Romo. And, and I love watching Tony Romo. I feel like I, I'm smarter when I watch him do a game. And he's a baseball, more specifically, a pitching nerd like me. So, you know, I just, I just feel like David Cohn, like me too, is like a good balance between like analytics and gut feeling. So for me, because of David Cohn, it's the Yes Network. Although the Mets booth is, is, you know, it's not bad. It's just, I just like David Cohn. If David Cohn wasn't doing the game today, if it was somebody else, I probably would have watched the Mets uh, on Picks 11. But I also wanted to see how they were going to weave in the comments of, uh, especially Hal Steinbrenner. And they, if you missed it, the Yes Network opened the game with uh, with an epic opening. So if you guys can, I don't know, go back and watch it. It was really good. It was like, we were like watching a movie. It had the dramatic music and the, the overlay of how Steinbrenner's, you know, talking. So, yeah, I watched it on Yes. I'm curious what you guys watched on. 877-337-6666 is the number to get aboard if it's busy, which it looks like it is, uh, you guys can tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I'm just pulling it up on my laptop right now. Or you can Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Me. There. All right. Attention. Please press any button to continue watching this channel. Oh, no. Any button? Okay. Volume down. Oh, God. Now it's at a million. You can hear it. Okay. They lied. It wasn't just any button. 
Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm going to lose the TV in here. Oh, no. I can't. All right. Well, we're up. I got it. I fixed it. Okay, here we go. All right, let's start this off uh, with the first caller of the night. I don't know if you are a Mets or a Yankee fan, so let's see. If you're a Yankee fan, I'm going to call you the DJ LeMahieu of the night. And if you're a Mets fan, Robert, I'm going to call you the Brandon Nimmo of the night. You tell me where you are. Let's go to Deer Park. Robert, you're up on the fan. Hello. Hello. Um, good morning. Good morning, Ms. Daniel. I'm a, a Mets fan. Okay, so you're the Nimmo of the night. Yes. Um, I would like to talk about analytics. Um, the players themselves are taking the game out of the game. Analytics will tell you to hit the ball where they're not. So if they stack all the defense on one side because you're a pull hitter, analytics will tell you to hit the opposite way. Um, analytics will tell you to bunt the runner over because uh, the runs are hard to come by. Analytics would also tell you that if they, um, I hate to say it, but if they cheat to get a contract, analytics say you take that back. That will stop cheating. The, um, the owners are trying to help them by giving them a baseball they can hit. But the, the players refuse to do it. And they, they cry so much to get managers that want to be their friend and not their manager. Well, that's the it's problem like, with I'm, the Yankees, right? Isn't that? Yes. Well, the Yankees, um, I love that um, uh, Boone. I do love him. I think he's a great coach. But he's not putting no fire on them. But he was paid not to. That came from the owners. The owners told him to be nice to the players. You, It's like a parent. You can't be nice to your child. Your child listens or it don't. Well, and you can't trade your child, but you can't trade a player. I know what you're but, saying. You know, you, no, you, like you're you an authoritative it. figure, but you're an authoritative figure. That's what you have to be, and that's that's uh, what Aaron Boone is not. And that's, you know, it's something that I, when I first got into coaching, the athletic director, he yeah. was like, I was young, and he was, I, it was, it was 11 years ago at this point, and he was like, listen, you're there to coach them. You're not there to be their, their friend. And I was right. like, got it. I said, got it. I Noted. Was, I was afraid of every coach I ever had. Yeah. Afraid. Yeah. I was afraid to make a mistake. I was afraid to sweat. I was afraid. But I would like to call it Major League Baseball Entertainment because they took baseball out of baseball. Mm. It is nothing else. It's home run or strikeout. Where's the Maury Wills? Where's the hit and run? Where's the stealing of home? How about Where's a the bunt? double steal? Squeeze Where's bunt. the double steal? I know. I haven't seen a double steal in years. I know. Most kids wouldn't know what I was talking about, a double steal. What are you talking about? Take you, what do you mean? Take take it outside pitch to right field. What are you talking about? Yeah, I'd rather just strike hello? out on that pitch. And then they got the nerve to say they're professional. Yeah, and Rob, you know, Robert, I want to be a professional. That's like me saying my brain surgeon, and then at the operation, oops, I never did this before. <laughs> that's not correct. Analytics told me that's wrong. If they're gonna do analytics, analysts will tell me to hit the ball where they're not. Analysts will tell me to hit singles. Um, single, 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 single. There you go. There's your runs. Well, the Mets hit hit 14 times today, a Saturday, the Mets. And that's how they won, they won the game. They didn't hit one single home run, the Mets, on Saturday. That's how they won the game. You know, I remember, and I'm not that old. I remember back in my day, if you struck out, oh, my God, that was so embarrassing. You didn't want to strike out. I did everything in my power in the batter's box to not strike out. Yet... Nowadays, at the professional level, it's like, all right, struck out. Okay, let me go back to the dugout, get him next time. Like, that was embarrassing. It's no longer embarrassing to strike out. I don't understand. So, uh, listen, uh, this is, if I had the answer to all of this, really, seriously, if I had the answer to all this, 
I'd be sitting in, in where is the MLB office on Park Ave? I know is in the NFL office there. I'd be sitting in in the, the front office of Major League Baseball. Yes, they're tampering with the baseballs. Yes, Major League Baseball bought Rawlings, so they're in control. I think that you're on to something there, Robert, though. Hit it where they ain't. I mean, how many times do you have to watch against the shift? A player can't lay down a bunt. Oh, it drives me mad. It drives me insane. But what are you going to do about it? They got rid of the manager, Joe Girardi, who was that authoritative figure, it seems to be, with the players. And they brought in Aaron Boone. And I said it when it happened. I asked him about it, too, Joe Girardi. He brought that underachieving, or I'm sorry, he brought that overachieving Yankees team with not a lot of expectations on them within one game of the World Series and lost his job days later. Then they brought in Aaron Boone and haven't sniffed the World Series since. I think if you have Joe Girardi in, I think uh, I think you do. I think you get there. And not to mention the fact that uh, Brian Cashman allowed Tanaka to go. Brian Cashman allowed Didi Gregorius to go. And that all also has to do with the fact that Hal Steinbrenner, at the beginning of the season and in the offseason, was not going over the luxury tax threshold. Now this week he says he'd be willing to. If you're willing to go over the luxury tax threshold, Hal, do it in the offseason so that you're not in the position that you're in right now. Putting piecemealing to keep the team together. Le Castro. Come on. To eat, uh, to New Haven we go. Trevor, you're up on the fan. Danielle, uh, how are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. And uh, I'm a, uh, you know, big fan listener. I'm pretty much all a Boston fan. But you know what? The radio is much better down at, on 660. So I enjoy listening to your show. Well, and thank you. Guys during the day. Thanks. Uh, it. it I'm one of those people that, you know, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. So I watch <laughs> a lot of Red Sox games, but I watch a lot of Yankees games too. Uh-huh. And um, it's just, it's really incredible to think at the beginning of the year, I was expecting maybe a 75, 80 win season out of mm-hmm. the Red Sox. And they've completely exceeded my expectations. And they look like they're on the up with sale, potentially coming back and yes. Tanner Houck and, you know, some arms that they might even pick up at the trade deadline. Uh, but just to just to see the Yankees, just this is just it's they're flailing, and it's it's really crazy to watch, kind of like night in and night out, just the struggle. And uh, and then on the other hand, the Red Sox rattled eight off, and then you know tonight they had a twelve inning game and had a couple incredible defensive plays out of Devers, who was always a liability. And so things just it, it really seems like things have totally flipped on a dime and. Uh, I'll uh, shut up and, and listen to you talk, but uh, definitely would be interested to hear what your insights are in the Red Sox and how that is, you know, how that team has come out of nowhere to kind of do what they've done here and the contrast to that of the situation the Yankees with so much expectation coming into the year. Yeah. Uh, and Trevor, thanks for the call. Um, and that's a good point. And I'm just looking really quickly because I want to be really sure before I say this. The Red Sox winning percentage is at 619. That is good for third best in baseball. Third best in baseball, the Red Sox are, have, you know, winning percentage-wise. They're behind the Giants, San Francisco, and the L.A. Dodgers. And let me just be sure. Yeah. American League. Yeah. 
Okay, so the Red Sox have the third best winning percentage in all of baseball. Okay, the Yankees are nine and a half games back out of the AL East. You know, first place of the AL East, and they are five games back from a wild card berth, and they would have to leapfrog, like I said in the open, four teams to make the playoffs at this point in time. What You're right. The Red Sox are on the uptick with Sale coming back. Right. And so when you look at the Red I see, that's the thing. I was, I was actually doing dishes today, and I was looking out the window while I was doing the dishes, and I was just thinking of, I, I don't know if this would be kind of like acceptable or not, and I don't know who I would ask to, to do it with me other than the GM of the Red Sox or front office personnel of the Red Sox, but... I don't I don't know how the Red Sox came out of nowhere. I just don't. I'll be honest, I haven't been watching them as closely as 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 you have been watching the Yankees, that's for sure. But I mean I think I, I'm I think it's safe to say that the Boston Red Sox have absolutely um just just shocked the entire baseball community. I mean, not just us in New York or, or anybody up in Boston. I mean, they are fifty two and thirty two. And then the last over the last ten games, they're eight and two. So I was thinking of, I mean, I guess, would it be acceptable? Would you guys want me to reach out to somebody up in Boston or try to get somebody on to, to try to explain what's going on up there? Um, because if you want it, I'll do it because I think that would be intriguing. And and you guys know that I like to listen to other radio. Like when something big happens, like like when Tom Brady made the decision to, to, you know, to go to Tampa Bay, I had on Boston radio. It's entertaining. You know, during the Astros cheating scandal, I was tuned in to Houston radio. I had one of the guys on, two of the guys on my show from our sister station down there. So if you would like, excuse me, if you would like, I'm not crying, I promise. If you would like uh, that uh, I'd have somebody on from Boston, you let me know. You can tell me in the the tweets or the DMs um, because I will. But that's a long-winded answer to the question. The answer really is, I don't know what's going on with the Red Sox. And, I mean, good for them, I guess, right? But the real story here is the Yankees and how underwhelming and how disappointing the Yankees have been playing in their, let me add it up, 81 games so far. And the Mets, as Chris McMonigo was saying, the Mets really have the chance to, to send the Yankees to oblivion. That's what Chris said. The Mets have the ability to send the Yankees into oblivion later today in two games. And, uh... You know what? I don't know. I, I think the first change needs to be the manager, and I think the Yankees have to let go of this this notion that it's all, you know, one, you know, all for one and one for all. I I said this in one of my dinner speeches at the end of uh, one of the one of my I think it was the volleyball season. I said I'm saying it like as a joke because it said I said that the team takes on the character of the of the coach, which was me, and it was like a joke because you know. Oh, there's there's the pass ball by Gary Sanchez and the run scored. Um, the team takes on the complexion and the character of the manager. This laissez-faire thing of we'll figure it out. We have the talent. When when that creeps in, that insidious thought creeps into the clubhouse. It's not a good look. It's not a good look because you could have all talent in the world. If you don't put it together, you don't perform, and you don't display it, then time's up. It's over. 
And let's go to Vernon in Manhattan. You're up next on the fan, Vernon. Hey, Daniel. How are you doing? I'm good. It's been a while, Vernon. Is everything all right? <laughs> yeah, everything's fine. <laughs> all right, good. To get things started off, we got to give you that baseball question. Oh, yes. Okay, I'm ready. I missed it <laughs> the past right. couple of weeks. Okay. Which baseball player has the most championship rings? Um, well, is this a trick question? Is this as a player or as a manager? Or? As, a, as a player. As a player. It's Yogi Berra, isn't it? You correct. That's yeah. correct. All right. <laughs> See? <laughs> See that? And it's, a, right. it's a perfect question because he was both a Met and a Yankee at the player and the managerial level. So good. Nice to tie in there, Vernon. <laughs> That's correct. You're good. You're getting good. I can give you harder questions in the future. <laughs> oh, no. I like this difficulty. <laughs> this is a good difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, today I've been uh, doing research, and I've been talking to each of the uh, radio talk show hosts. So I'm going to bring this research question to you. There's rumors going around about the New York Yankees. Now, before I get to the Yankees, do you remember the curse of the goat with Chicago and the curse of the Bambino with the Red Sox. You wrote those two curses? Yeah, Bambino, yes. And when I did the Wrigley Field tour, I do know the curse of the Billy Goat, too. Yes. They, they explained okay. it. Sure. So right now, if some of the Yankee fans are believing that there is a curse with the New York Yankees. Now, when you, look, when you go to the new stadium, look across at the park, that's the hollow ground of actually where the Yankee Stadium stood. Mm-hmm. So on that hollow ground, you have Babe Ruth, Joe DiMaggio, Lou Gehrig, Mickey Mantle, Yogi Bear, Thurman Munson, Billy Martin, Reggie Jackson, Whitey Ford. So the list goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing about that ha- uh, hollow ground, that is where... The old stadium was built called the house that Ruth built. Do you remember that? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. However, they tore down his house. Now, someone felt that the curse has now come upon the Yankees. Mm, I see what you're saying. Because they, they disrespected Babe Ruth. Now, I know you did research on Babe Ruth. Am I correct? Babe Ruth, I, you know... I did a book report on Babe Ruth in, like, third grade. George Herman Ruth lived above a bar. I know a lot about Babe Ruth from that book report. <laughs> okay, well, good. See, you know something about Babe Ruth. He actually saved baseball because of the Red so- I mean, the White Sox scandal. So he really pulled everything together. Babe Ruth is one of the greatest players that ever played for the Yankees. The Yankees hold 27 championships. You cannot get away from that. They are a monumental, mighty, strong team. But all of a sudden, things start falling apart with the New York Yankees. And the thing is, the fans are saying, we believe that there's a curse upon us. And the thing is, that would lift the curse, they believe if you could take a sign, and put it on Yankee Stadium, and put that sign saying, the house that Ruth built, the curse will be lifted up. Now, as I talked to each of the radio show hosts, I asked them, do you think it's a curse or not a curse? Uh, quite a few gave me the opinion. 
and it all leaned to one way. So here's my question to you, Daniel. Hmm. Do you think there's a curse on the New York Yankees? Yes or no? I want to hang up and listen to your answer. Have a nice day. Thanks, Vernon. Good question. Uh, is there a curse? The way you laid out, laid it out. I mean, it sounds. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the curse is that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer. A yes or no? I know you want a yes or no answer. I'm going to go with. Um, is there a curse on the Yankees for ripping down the house that Ruth built? Nah, I, I'm going to go with no. I'm more. I'm more of a, a logistical, a logical person. I'm. I'm going to go with no. Just because. I mean, there's too many factual things why the Yankees, I mean, they don't have enough left-handed bats. The starting pitching isn't what it used to be. Brian Cashman has a wrong formula for uh, for creating a lineup. So I'm, I'm going to go with no. And we are going to head to a quick break. I want to tell you that Wednesday might have been the worst experience that I've ever had at a Yankee game. And no, it had nothing to do with the rain delays, plural, or the manner in which they lost which was Chapman, as you know, giving up the, the game-winning Grand Slam. So I'll explain to you guys. Come right up after this break. Jersey Mike's Yankees Monday box office blitzes are back. And coming up tomorrow, we're giving away field-level tickets hourly from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. to see the Bronx Bombers and Seattle Mariners at Yankee Stadium on Friday, August 6th. You've got to be listening to win here on The Fan and streaming on WFAN.com. What a good song for this. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan. This song takes me back to the year 2009 when the Yankees won the World Series. We watched it at the bar near my college. My roommate was a Philadelphia Phillies fan. She didn't come out of her room when we got back. Seriously, she locked herself in her room. And um, that was the year that the Yankees opened up the new stadium with with the championship. So uh, as far as the curse, I mean... I don't know about that, but, you know, bear with me here because I know I'm not the only one that has had this experience. What a terrible experience it was at Yankee Stadium Wednesday night. Completely unacceptable. Like, I was at the first game ever played at that new stadium. It was an exhibition one against the Cubs, if you guys remember. The only thing more pitiful than how Wednesday ended, which was Chapman giving up the walk-off Grand Slam, was how it started. We actually parked in the in the parking garage on River Street. We went to Billy's beforehand because the line to get into the stadium was too long. So we figured that if we waited it out a little bit at the bar, the line would die down. And we could not have been more wrong. I tweeted a photo, maybe you saw it, tweeted a photo of us about halfway in the line at gate 8 with no end in sight at 7.24 p.m. We actually joined that line after trying to get on the 10-people-wide snake line at the gate nearest to the Hard Rock Cafe, the one that leads to the Great Hall. I think that's gate, is it four, I think it is, or six? I don't know. But we we actually made it halfway down the first baseline, and we couldn't find the end of it. Remember, it was 100 degrees that night, too. So my friend even said, this isn't even a line. This is just a group of people standing together. So we went back to gate eight. At least there was an actual line there because it was against the building. That, by the way, almost touched the line at the gate that we just left. 
I took that picture at 724. The score was already 2-0 Angels. I was so excited to see Otani pitch. I've seen so far this season, I've just been getting lucky. DeGrom at City Field. I've seen Cole at Yankee Stadium. And Otani was supposed to be at Yankee Stadium, too, for me to see. We literally saw two batters before they yanked him. And we were just settling in. And we weren't even actually sitting down and watching it yet. That was that. And we went right to our seats. So after we settled in a little bit, I started to get a little hungry. I had not eaten dinner yet. I figured in looking at the radar, there was likely a rain delay coming. I was right. And I wanted to get in line for the food before it got really long. Well, the food lines, the snake lines, were almost touching each other around the entire first concourse of the stadium. We walked around a little bit to a few of them, you know, thinking maybe it was just that one that was a little longer than the other. We decided on the smallest line because we didn't want to miss any more of the game. So it ended up being one of those, like, beer stands, you know? And you know what I got? One of the last bags of Doritos. That was my dinner at Yankee Stadium that night. Doritos. We ended up not seeing much of the game at all because we're waiting forever in lines literally everywhere we went. And that's such a shame because, as you guys know and expect from me, we were literally literally there to watch the game. So if you're going to have the stadium open at full capacity, there better be full capacity workers there, and there better be full capacity of options of refreshments that are open. And no, it is not the fault of the workers. They are, were working as fast as possible. I said it was 100 degrees. You know, I tipped all of them wherever we went, which was, you know, only a few places. But I don't know, Dorito, I stopped on the way home for dinner. Come on, in the pouring rain. But I did run into a loyal listener named uh, Alex. I don't want to give his last I was going to give his last name, but I'll get just Alex. A loyal listener named Alex ran into him during the first rain delay. So I guess you can consider that a silver lining in the uh, in the rain clouds of Yankee Stadium that night, literally and figuratively. Um, but I don't know. It's just that was the worst experience I ever had. And I felt bad. My friend, she didn't have her baby. You know, she didn't have the baby. And it was her night. And she I know she wanted to hang out through the rain delay. And I was like, listen, I'm watching my parents' dogs. They're on vacation. I got three dogs at home. I'm not picking up poop off the floor. We're going. It was the second rain delay, and we left. That was it. But the worst experience I ever had at Yankee Stadium. So I'm, I'm curious if you guys have had that experience, or was it just that particular game? Or, or I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what the deal was. Um, but I'm, I'll appeal to you guys, because that was my experience on Wednesday, and it was terrible. Let's go to Queens. And Alex, you're up next on the fan, Alex. Hey, you know, to me, the biggest issue with the Yankees, first is I think their coaching staff, and I'm not specifically talking about Aaron Boone, I think their hitting coach and, and pitching coach have done a terrible job. There were many situations last year where, you know, in the ninth inning, they have an 0-2 count, Chapman is, and you have guys on base never give the guy anywhere near the strike zone because worst case scenario, it's only one ball, one makes it one and two, and he, mm. the Mets had a walk-off home run on an 0-2 count, he threw it right down the middle, that's that, to me, shows you a lack of whether it's focus, uh, not making wise decisions on pitch selection. There's something in between that, that's wrong there. And the second thing is I think Gary Sanchez, he just wrote, you know, you talk about they take on the personality of the manager. Mm-hmm. I think they take the personality on Gary Sanchez. He's just a very sluggish, lazy player. And I think when you have a player in that key of a position, it just sets the tone for the rest of the team, just a, a sluggish, lazy. He's just not a winner, and I think that takes away from why you know why they've come up short the last few years. You know, in the playoffs, is just that bad in the middle of the lineup. That that sluggishness. 
So they got a couple of issues. I think they got to fix the coaching staff. And, and I think from a position player standpoint, I think Gary Sanchez is their biggest issue. Alex, thanks for the call there. That's a good point. Um, because when you look at changes that need to be made, maybe Aaron Boone isn't the first domino to fall in this. I've actually wanted to talk about this for a while, and I'm going to thank you for bringing it up. I mean, Matt Blake talked about Aroldis Chapman uh, to Meredith Morakovitz. They're saying they want to get him more on a straight line to the plate, more of a direct path to the plate, uh, more confidence in, in, in his pitches, blah, 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 right? But, you know, I, I'm curious, and I'm never one to, like, fire somebody except for, like, Adam Guru, but, you know, I take a really measured approach. And I'm wondering how Marcus Tim still has a job, honestly, seriously, because he said uh, um, it was about two or three maybe weeks ago at this point. He said he believes players aren't sticking to their approaches enough in games. He said it needs to turn around. It hasn't been pretty at all. That's a direct quote from Marcus Tim's. And my translation of that was I'm telling them the right thing to do. Please don't fire me. They're just not doing it. And. Number two, he said, I know people think we're just preaching hit home runs. That's not what we're preaching. We're preaching you get a ball in your zone, you hit it hard. So my question is, so what are you doing, Marcus Timms, to make sure they understand what they're doing is incorrect? Like, here's an idea. Show them that they're, at this point, they were were bottom in the league in, in most offensive categories. I mean, isn't that enough to show them what they're doing wrong? To get to the film room and say, hey, listen, John Carlos Stanton, did you notice that they tried hammering the low outside pitch, pitch after pitch to strike you out on Saturday versus the Mets? Did you see that? It's been the same story for two years. Why can't you hit that outside pitch? I always go back to this story of this girl, and I know you guys have heard it, but I always, I always, it always makes me think of her. This girl, Lauren, was on my team. Her dad listens to the show. I won't give the last name, but... She wasn't hitting. She stayed for one of my practices. I, I was a JV coach. She she stayed for one of my practices. I should have been the varsity coach, but that's a whole other story. But she stayed for one of my practices because she wasn't hitting. She asked if she could. I t- said, it's fine, it's fine, whatever. Literally the next day, she, she struggles with the out, low outside pitches. Okay, so that that's something I worked on with her. Confidence more than anything. She was a good hitter. Just confidence more than anything. The day after she came to my practice, the girl hit a home run over the fence. Okay, so, yeah, changes can be made to amateur athletes. Changes can be made to professional athletes as well. So, uh, you know, not everybody wants to fire Aaron Boone right away. It's part of this whole concoction of team of things, right? But, man, Marcus Timms, I'm not sure how you still have a job, man. All right, we've got a Mike McCann update coming your way. And, of course... McCartney after midnight in the 3 a.m. hour here in New York, New York City, on the fan, the WFAN Radio, New York City, the Yankees Radio Network, and we have gotten a, a lot of uh, disgruntled Yankee fans giving, uh, giving me a call tonight. It's okay. I'm with you. I, I, I commiserate with your pain. But don't forget, the Mets actually won that game. The Mets won it on 14 hits. And no home runs. And their uh, top of the order was extremely productive. Nimmo, Lindor, and Smith. Dom Smith, that is. Uh, We've got some talk tonight about how 
you know, are the Yankees going to blow it up at the deadline? And in my opinion, I think they should. And here's the stat I was looking for. Top of the Mets lineup, 8 for 15, 2 walks, 6 runs, 4 RBIs. I mean, Dom Smith, his first pitch, when, when he hits the first pitch, it, well, when he goes for the first pitch, I guess we should put, phrase it that way, he's got a 374 batting average. So as much as the Yankees lost this game in the Bronx uh, on Saturday, I should, say, should have said, as much as the Yankees lost that game, the Mets really did a good job. Brandon Nimmo comes back in the lineup, and, and the guy like surprised himself. Brandon Nimmo is my favorite Met. I, I've done a lot of work with him through the Italian American uh, Baseball Foundation. With him, he, he's he's excellent. He's awesome, and he he's a good player. Whether or not he's a true center fielder, he, I'm sure he took that to heart. I'm sure he worked his butt off, and when he comes back, you know, he, in this game, he 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 does awesome. First game back from I think it was what May first. He hit 500 today, scored two runs. I mean, what else could you ask for from your from your leadoff batter? I looked to the next column, DJ LeMahieu, 0 for 3, two strikeouts. I mean, there's the difference. Mets, it, it's so funny too because the Mets have 42 wins, whereas the Yankees have 41 wins, and it's just like, it's like completely different storylines surrounding both teams, but it's just the league that they play in, et cetera, et cetera. So that's that's where we're at tonight. It's been all baseball, the first hour of the show, which is great. This is a baseball town, as I said in the open. Subway Series, I was expecting this tonight. I was expecting a lot of Yankee fans calling up and and, and, and the sky is falling. I haven't got any, really any Mets calls tonight. You know, I will say this, and, and the, the caller just before brought it up about the coaching staff. You know, the Yankees need a shakeup. I mean, this is, this is I mean, let's read them their last rights uh, this weekend, maybe, potentially. So, shake it up. Marcus Timms. Fire him. See what happens. I mean, what, what are you going to do? They're not going to fire Aaron Boone. He should really be the, the one to go, but they're not going to fire him. Not midseason anyway. Shake it up a little bit. I mean, they've tried everything else. I mean, what's next? What's left to do? Shake up the coaching staff. Let's go to Camden. Kevin, you're up next on the fan. I'm good, Coach. How are you? I'm great. I want to talk about the Yankees because I got I got a, I got a few things. All right, after the last week, Mr. Positive, look, this is it's got to stop. This is just bad. Every I mean, it gets worse every time. I mean, the the blown save by Chapman, which on Wednesday, which I actually I am I am ignorant because I stayed up for that garbage. I should have went to sleep, but I stayed up for that. I, and he says, "Oh, we have the right group." Of players, yeah. Alan Boone. He said, mm-hmm. "What? How do you look? If you have very good players, you wouldn't be in fourth place or almost last. Like this, there's no anger. There's no fire. It's just the the same. How can you? How can you sit through this every day? It, it, it's, it's a team. It's yeah, just, I know. It's like rinse and repeat. It's like you already know what he's going to say before he even says it when he when he get up gets up there. You know. It, it's." I don't even understand. And every every time I call you, it's just like the Yankees get rid of somebody. It, and, and they got rid of another person. I don't even know if you know this guy. It, it kind of slipped through the cracks. But um, they let go of a minor league outfielder. Who, Is it Derek Diedrich? Well, he, he opted out. He opted out, right. Yeah. But Zach Zaner, who was with Scranton, he was released 
today, or, or a couple of days ago by uh, the Patriots. And immediately after, he was picked up by the Marlins. I was like, okay, look, I know he's not like a superstar, but I'm telling you, I feel that with this team, what they need, I'm like, every time they really, I, I don't, he's going he's gonna to wind up, it's going to cost the Yankees again. I, I just, oh. Meet the meet the newest Yankee killer there, Kevin. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be that. And you talked about it a, a few uh, like a, a couple minutes ago. I sat through two rain delays today. I am exhausted. I was at the game, Philly. Oh, the Philly I had game. Two rain delays. Mm-hmm. Got the game in, but I am I didn't sleep at all, so I'm a little tired. But <laughs> okay. it, it was a it was a good game. And Didi Gregorius, man. Did you see the he catch got a hit tonight? He got a hit tonight. He played. He played sparkling defense, and I mean, it just was like you yeah. made me think. Of, I was like, "Dang, D.D. should be a Yankee." I even told that to my dad. I was like, "You know what? D.D. should be a Yankee because he had a, a sparkling play at shortstop." I'm like, "This guy, man, I, I miss him." Just yeah. watching him tonight, I was like, "D.D. miss you, buddy." But damn. But you know, as far as the Mets, happy for them. But the Yankees, man, I'm just I'm, I'm sick of Boone's got to go. Cashman, you think you could? He makes a trade with Tim LaCastro. That's who? <laughs> All right. Ke- uh, just, Kevin, good points. You, you brought up three points, and I just I, I want to let you go so I don't lose any of them in response thanks, to any Coach. of them. I'm just, I'm just random. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, yeah, of course, Kevin. Good call. Brought up three good points. First good point was um, the outfield they let, they let go from the Patriots, but it, it begs a, a bigger issue here. You know, the Yankees, it's like um, – What's that expression like when the ship's sinking, all the rats go like scampering or whatever that expression is? I don't really know. But this 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 stockpiled depth is is dwindling. Derek Dietrich opted out of his Yankee deal after the game today. Like immediately after the game, he was like, I'm out of here. Mike Ford pretty much forced himself to a trade because they were keeping him, you know, they were preventing him from from doing any real damage or any real playing time, right? Mike Talkman traded. He's on the IL now, but traded. So this this depth or perceived depth is uh, is dwindling, which makes me wonder what the trade market looks like at the trade deadline. Just a thought. And Kevin was at the game, the Philadelphia game, Phillies. He uh, tweeted me a picture or, or DM me a picture, but with a tarp on the field, so makes what you said makes me miss Didi Gregorius. Glaber Torres' his last ten games, batting average of one forty nine, three RBIs in ten games, two runs scored in ten games, on base percentage is two thirty nine. Slugging percentage, 146, zero home runs. In fact, he's got six home runs in the last two seasons. Is it a mechanical issue? If it is, why can't Marcus Thames find it? Brian Hooks said it, that maybe that one year where he hit all those home runs, maybe that was the outlier in the data. Trade Glaber Torres. Sell him on the fact that... um, He's got tons of potential. Look at this one season. He had a great season. He just needs a change of scenery. He's not a true shortstop. He'll be great at second base for you, X team, whatever it is. But I come from the mentality that the Yankees should just blow it up. Trade Glaber Torres, blow past their luxury tax next year, and sign a real shortstop 
on the free agent market. That's what I would do. And you guys all killed me at the beginning of the season when I said trade Glaver Torres, and you're like, no way. Mm-hmm. And when Kevin was talking, I thought about the Katy Perry song, the one that got away. Oh, that's Didi Gregorius, definitely the one that got away. I think the Yankees would be way better off with Didi Gregorius. Let's go, Carlo in Kings Park. You're up on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Disgusted to say the least. Yeah. Um, you know how big a huge Yankee fan I am. Um, I'm enraged. Um, um, you can't do anything about it. You just have to go with the flow. They they made this bid. You know the expression: you made a bid, now you have to lie in it. Um, this team is so right-handed; it's ridiculous. They have no left-handed production whatsoever. I mean, you've got to be kidding me! You have a you have a three fourteen poke in right field, perfect for a left-handed batter. Do they have a left-handed batter? No. Mm-hmm. They have all these right-handed batters. Mm-hmm. Are you right about Didi? A hundred percent. Glaber is not a shortstop. He's not. People are under the illusion that he is, but he's not. I have somebody telling me, "Oh, you can't get rid of you can't get rid of Gleyber Torres," and by you reading out them stats, are you kidding me? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Well, the <sighs> thing is, why wouldn't you? Is is what are you going to get for him? He's so low. Exactly. What are you going to get for him? Which is why they should sell high on Gary Sanchez too right now. By the way. See, I'm a, I'm in the minority, unfortunately, with him. As far as as far as his production, he he's like the little girl with the curl. When he's really good, he's really good, and when he's really bad, we all know he's really really bad. Um, he is not a good defensive catcher, to say the least. Um, but when he does hit, he is he can be a, he can be a wrecking ball. But that's the thing when he hits, mm-hmm. and that's a big deal. The thing with the Yankees right now, it's like. Nobody wants to take responsibility. Nobody's like, oh, everything will, everything will turn around. When? When will this turn around? You have, a, you have a manager that has no clue what's going on, a hitting coach. Now, all of a sudden, now no one can hit. Nobody can hit. And this is like, you were talking before about Glaber. I mean, this is like, oh, he's just completely lost. And don't even get me started with... Uh, with uh, Giancarlo Stanton, mm. and you talk about the outside pitch, why swing at it? If you know you're not going to hit it, and you know it's not a strike, why swing at it? Well, the problem is, Carlo, he, he can't get to it. That's the thing. He can't get to that outside pitch. That's the thing. He, 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 doesn't, know, he doesn't know how to put the bat to the ball on an outside pitch. He just lets him go, and he looks at him. It's the frust- most frustrating thing ever I've ever seen. Ken and Queens, you're up next on the fan. Ken. Kenny. All right, sorry, dude. You're clogging up a line from someone else here, Ken. Let's go to Matt in Rockland. You're up next on the fan. Hey, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Uh, as a Yankee fan, not too good. Yeah. I have a funny but aggravating Yankee point to make. Okay, so tell me. I'm one of the Yankee fans who thinks that they got to sell at the deadline. You just look at this team. You know, they're not going anywhere. If they do somehow sneak into a playoff spot, they're not beating any of the teams they're going to be playing. Correct. So, you know, it's better off to just, you know, sell. So I'm Wait, thinking- wait, Matt, before you say that, 
I was thinking about that too. As I was like trying to close my eyes before the show tonight, I didn't. But the two of the teams that they're going to have to eventually probably play against are the Boston Red Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays. And guess what? They have not won a game yet against the Red Sox this season. And they're, what is it, 5-8 and eight against the, the Tampa Bay Rays this season. So I was thinking the exact same thing before. And we and we saw how we did against Tampa Bay in the playoffs last year. So, right. you know, I don't think the result will be too different, especially with the way the offense is playing this season. So I was thinking, you know, who's a player that we could really sell and get something good back, you know, because I'm looking at the guys, you know, their age, their production, their contract. Mm-hmm. And I thought the perfect player that would have been great is having a great season, has, is on an expiring contract that we could trade for, you know, some good prospects or something back was Adam Adovino. But... Mm. I forgot that we traded him to the Red Sox for cash considerations and, you know, the the best thing of all, you know, a player to be named later. Yeah, so yeah. I yeah. just thought that was funny how, you know, the one guy that I really fan, obviously there's some other things we could do, but, you know, the best opportunity I thought would have been to trade out of Vino, but we already did to our division rivals for nothing. And, you know, we could use him now as a trade ship, but. Yep. Yep. Play, Matt, who's that, who's, that, who's that fall on? Whose decision was that? I believe Brian Cashman. Yeah, I, I believe you're right. Yes, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I I think, you know, I've been a Yankee fan my whole life. I'm 23 years old. I think, you know, Cashman has been here my whole life. I think it's time for a change, yeah. really. I mean, you know, he's done some good things. You know, he's you know the 2016, you know, semi-rebuild, he did look good. But, you know, now you're looking at it and, you know, with these players like Torres and Frazier. I mean, those are the two big guys we got back. In the Miller trade, we got Frazier and Justice Sheffield traded Sheffield for James Paxton, who's not on the team anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Frazier's not doing anything this year. We were so excited about Torres. And, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I, I always used to say when I was, you know, when Torres first came up, I'd be hanging out with my friends. I'm like, you, you know, you believe this? We're the same age as this guy. And we're sitting here watching him. <laughs> he's at Yankee Stadium, you know, taking warm-up swings. Probably going to go, like, two for three, three for four. And now he's just like, it's, it, it, it's, like, it's like Space Jam. You know, the Monstars came and took his just used away something. I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah. My, and Matt, all good points. And, and I think we agree on pretty much all of them, right? And, and it's easy to sit back and, you know, nip, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? You can always sit back and nitpick on some of the decisions. But, you know, at the time, some of the decisions, I was like, wait a minute, what? Tanaka, you're not going to offer him any more? And I know he's offering, you know, he's working under the constraints of the, uh, the luxury tax and all that. Again, but I always point to the John Carlos Stanton contract taking on that contract was the worst. I, I don't understand how that was a good thing. You know what I mean? How was that acceptable? You could tell me that he was the MVP, whatever. Yeah, I didn't I, listen on the record. Didn't want him. I said, Aaron judge 2.0. And now, you know, he's clogging up the DH spot. Also, not only is he clogging up the payroll, he's clogging up the DH spot and he can't hit the ball. And did you see that he's trying to get his legs back under him for the past month so he can play in a, in a, in the outfield? I think the target was the Yankees when they play the uh, the Marlins at the end of this month, building up his legs to play the outfield. Get that out of here. Get the hell out of here. Play, build up your legs to play the outfield? Dude, what are we doing? You can't give one day a week in the outfield? Not one? Oh, my God. I, I just, it just, it's just so frustrating that it's like the Yankees are so far deep that, that you don't even know where to start. 
And I know everyone's enveloped in the Subway Series between the Mets and Yankees right now, but I wanted to give you an update on the Phillies. My Phillies. Huh? I'll explain. Coming right up. Celebrate your July 4th like a pro with a fan all day as the Yankees and Mets continue their Subway Series with a good old-fashioned doubleheader. Tune in at 1.25 p.m. with first pitch at 2.05. Then it's more Subway Series action at 7.05 with pregame at 6.25. Driven by Jeep. Catch John Sterling and Susan Waldman with all the play-by-play right here on The Fan. Welcome back. Tim McCartan after midnight here on The Fan in New York City. This is the weekend, on the weekend, on a holiday weekend. Thanks for spending it with me, by the way. I appreciate that. Thanks for giving us the tweets are are coming in fast and furious. Phone calls have been great, you guys. So thank you for for, for tuning in, for, for being part of this. And I teased it in the beginning. Happy 4th of July, everybody, by the way. Happy Independence Day. I saw some fireworks driving in. I don't know if they were they're probably illegal, but on the on the West Side Highway, somehow there were like a couple fireworks going off. That's pretty cool. Like, yeah. They weren't so fun, though, when I was trying to close my eyes before I was trying to come on the air tonight. That's a whole nother story. So the update on my Phillies. I played my first women's league softball game on the season Monday night. Yes, I'm on the Phillies. No, it wasn't my choice, but it really doesn't matter. Here's my stat line from the game. Yankees, if you're listening, if you're listening, I, I'm, I'm available. I'm, I'm free. I, 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 my school year is out. I am free. I was four for four. This is like Brendan Newman. I surprised myself. I was four for four, three RBIs, three runs, and an unassisted 6-3 double play. Actually, there was a double play earlier in that inning, and the umpire missed it. So I had to make sure that I got the next one. He saw that one. So the good news is I still got it. Bad news is we lost. So we play again Monday. And I want to be on the air with you guys again Monday night, if you missed it. Monday night, 11 p.m. So I'll fill you in on how I did in my second game then. But so far, so good. A couple tweets of you guys are asking me to keep season stats. All right, I'll try. I'll try to compile my season stats. I got to put them in a spreadsheet or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it felt pretty good to get out back out there. For sure. Even though it was a million freaking degrees on Monday night. Like 105, whatever it was, Monday night. But, uh, yeah, so after after we play every Monday night. So after Monday night's game, I will give you an update. I'll be on the air here on The Fan at 11 p.m. Monday. Don't forget, we've got beatboxing coming up. In about 14 minutes, it's special Subway Series edition. Tim Healy from the Mets. He covers the Mets for Newsday. He is going to be taking on Brandon Cuddy, who covers the Yankees for NJ.com and the Star Ledger. So you don't want to miss that. So before we do that, let's go back to the calls. Bob in the Bronx, you're up on the fan. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Listen, when can you start for the Yankees? Tomorrow? Tomorrow. I could be playing tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> Uh, they can use you, believe me. I Believe me, uh, I, I'll do everything I can. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, anyhow, I want to say that I feel that the Yankees are really bad for baseball right now in the sense that the games are so boring the way they've been playing with uh, uh, lack of motivation. Mm-hmm. And also... Uh, you know, what happened to the old uh, 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 theory that you play, you produce. 
You don't produce, you sit on the bench. And they keep putting in the same plays over and over. Yes. Two for, two for 38, three for 49, mm-hmm. so forth and so on. I mean, and also the, the, the last thing is, you know, Aaron Boone's okay, but, you know, if you're going to be friends with the players and, and continually protect them when they do bad, you, you're not going to be able to manage properly, in my opinion. Right. Exactly. Exactly. The manager and the players, the coach, and Bob, thanks for calling. The manager and the players and the coach and the players should always be separate. Always. Yes, you can be friendly with your players. You can be. I was. But there's a line. And I think the line is very blurry in the Yankees dugout right now. Not to mention, I I was hoping someone was going to bring this up too. Yeah, Luke Voigt won for his last 16. He's still starting first baseman for the Yankees. Not benched. Mike Ford, though? Oh, Mike Ford, he he was benched. He was sat down. He was benched. He was sent down to the minors. And then he was eventually shipped out. Mike Ford, he can't go for one for 16. But Luke Voigt can. Aaron Judge, the biggest game of the season so far, right? The inflection point of the season. The Shohei Otani game on Wednesday that I was at and barely saw him because the lines are too freaking long to get into the stadium. Aaron Judge, sitting. Gio Urshela, sitting on a bench. In a game that you just said, you know, the season's on the line. The season is on the line. You got two of your best hitters sitting on the bench. I don't understand. I, I, I don't get it. I'm with you. Paul, in Floral Park, you're up next on the fan. How are you doing, yeah? All right, all right. <laughs> all right. Yeah, good to, good to be back on the phone with you. Yeah, thanks yeah, for the, um, Oh, sure, anytime. Uh, yeah, the Yankee Rats, uh, they're jumping off the tugboat. They're drowning. Well, they're yeah. in the Atlantic Ocean. It's, you know, uh, Aaron Boone and Hal Steinbrenner, they're they not throwing them life preservers. They're letting them drown. Yeah, that's a good, I, I, good analogy. Yeah. yeah. And Paul, they're they're yeah. not the bats aren't even in the East River. They're already carried out to the the Atlantic Ocean. I, I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, I'm I'm exhausted with all my uh, arguments about the Yankees. So, I mean, Wednesday was a total disaster. You know, I was driving in the rain to work uh, when that stupid game was going on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It just I had a miserable night at work uh, Wednesday after that game. Uh, yeah, well, you know what? Yeah. That night when I got home from the game, I I went to bed. I went to sleep, and I woke up, and I was like, how did they lose that game? I right, got the notification right. at like 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, how did they lose that game? Are you kidding right, me? Right, oh. right, right. And you know what, Paul? Yeah. And thanks for the call. That makes me think that, you know, the onus is somewhat on the players, too. I mean, the onus is on the players. I don't want to say somewhat, but, you know— Chapman giving up a grand slam, walk off grand slam. Okay, after two rain delays. Okay, uh, you know you could point to these players not doing their jobs. Gary Sanchez can't turn his glove the right way. Still, after how many years of, of catching at the major league level, you can't turn your glove the right way. You know, it's just the players are not collectively performing as a group either, which is compounding all of the stuff that we've been talking about tonight. You know, and the mental mistakes too. It's that that kills me. The physical mistakes, I always tell my players, physical mistakes, although I'll be pretty pissed, the physical mistakes, they happen. The mental mistakes, there is no room for them. There is no excuse for them, and there's no room for them. Gary Sanchez and Jordan Montgomery can't figure out, well, I should say, 
Gary Sanchez can't figure out what number in the sequence of signs that Jordan Montgomery wants to throw his pitches on. And you saw Jordan Montgomery was angry on his face. He was angry. He said, it was the first one. It, no, it was one. It was one. Well, Gary Sanchez was crossed up, and the ball made its way to the backstop on that pitch. And it was the first sign. That's the kind of mental mistakes that I'm talking about, that, that, that a team like the Yankees right now hovering at 500. They can't be making they can't afford to be making mental mistakes. I feel like I'm talking about one of my teams right now. You guys are a 500 team. You can't afford to be making mental mistakes. I never yelled at them like that before. Well, maybe once or twice, but you know, you get the point. Tom in Brick, New Jersey, you're up next on the fan. All right, uh I'm older than dirt. I've been around for 80 years. <laughs> I've been around for 80 years, so I've seen it all, all the Yankees. I was a Yankee fan when I was 10 years old. And I noticed something that happened through the Steinbrenner era, Mr. Steinbrenner. George, yeah. He was always prepared for something. He'd fire a coach, get another coach. He he stirred the pot. Yeah, there's something to yeah. There's something to keeping everybody on their toes for sure. Right, and he did something that was probably one of the greatest Yankee years of all time. Bucky Dent. Hmm. He fired a man that he loved. He loved Billy Martin, but he fired him. And he had a guy that was a pretty good guy. That there was a real baseball man named Bob Lemon. Mm-hmm. And Lemon took the Yankees from, like, being 14 games behind in August to a one-game playoff up in Boston. Now, they have to have something cooking because I have to think they're never going to fire Aaron Boone. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be a lot of pressure put on Aaron Boone by his family. The man just had a heart attack. Well, he didn't have a heart attack. He had a major heart operation. Yeah, yeah. And they're they're going to say to him, Dad, you. Oh no, Tom, that was great. You're always a great caller, but that dress dropped off. Sorry, sorry about that. I sorry I had to let you go there. Um, but you're right. <laughs> it it's just I I wish that it would show. You know, Aaron, I wish the passion of Aaron Boone would show instead of these these cookie cutter responses from. Do you see the blue index card on Saturday? You saw the blue index card from him. It's just. They ask him a question, he reads off the paper. They ask him a question, he reads off the paper. It's like they anticipate what the questions are going to be, and they have these manufactured cookie-cutter answers ready to go for him. Okay, yes, I understand he's from a baseball family, um, but who was it that they asked? I was listening to somebody on the radio. Jody Mack, I think it was. He had on uh, Brett Boone, one of the Boones, on, on his show at the CBS Sports Network, and he said he asked. They don't really talk about it. He apparently said said the brother, I think it was. But in any event... Um, it's almost like Aaron Boone, besides the, that everybody likes to rinse, repeat. I'm getting a lot of tweets about that from the opening monologue. Um, look at him sitting there with the, the iPad on the, uh, on the dugout. I'm watching the replay of the game right now. It, it's like, he's got an appointment, like a Supreme court justice appointment. And it's like, all right, you're going to let him go in the middle of the season. Who are you going to get? Okay. That's the big question. Who are you going to get? Who's going to step in? I think within the next two weeks, the Yankees are going to, or the week, next week or so, 
the Yankees are going to have to determine if they're buyers or sellers, if they're all in or they're all out, if they're pushing their chips into the center of the table or they're 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 calling, right? Is that I don't I'm not really a gambler, but calling means you can kind of skip on the betting, right? So what is it going to be? They're what nine something games out of the AL East. Let me see. Let me get that right. They are yeah nine and a half games back of the Red Sox in the AL East. They are exactly five games out of the wild card, and they would have to like I said before leapfrog one, two, three, four teams to make a playoff you know berth. One of them being the Rays and the Toronto Blue Jays. Like, their entire division. So, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Let's go to Mark in Miami. You're up next on the fan. Uh, good morning, Danielle. How are you? Great. How are you? Well, happy 4th of July. You too. You know, we got a lot of stuff going on down here that don't relate to baseball. But, yeah, you know, you, you, you're trying to get into a better feeling in life. With, uh, you know, your team, the Yankees. And I have to tell you, like the other gentleman, I've been watching the Yankees since I'm eight years old. I'm 63. It troubles me, and I've watched a lot of bad Yankee teams, but they didn't have this kind of talent. They didn't have these guys that were supposed to be, you know, ballpark, knock it out there, and... uh have this team on a winning track. You can't have an entire righty lineup in this stadium. I know. I blame Cashman, and I blame Aaron Boone for putting this team together. And I don't know why Aaron Boone even got this job. To this day, I will say Joe Girardi was a disciplinarian. Mm-hmm. He didn't have these guys in the dugout nonchalant yep. and just uh, doing whatever the heck they were doing. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't have Aaron Boone with his multicolored watches, like looking up at the sky. This guy is not a manager. I don't know why the Yankees wanted a glorified babysitter. Mm. And recently... How does Hal Steinbrenner give Cashman, who I blame, and Aaron Boone the seal of approval? Yeah, that that's a big question mark I have too there, Mark. That's a big question I have moving forward. Um, but if you're the owner, you can't – I mean, you can't throw them under the bus, right? Or else you, you would have fired him or you should have fired him. So I could sort of understand why he didn't throw the two of them under the bus. But um, – Let's place the blame right squarely there. The way this team is constructed, you nailed it. It's like negligence. It's negligence on Cashman's part to not have a left-handed bat in that lineup. You know, uh, consistently. And a power bat. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a power bat. You saw what that Oakland A's batter did. Tony Kemp, right? He had two home runs all season long. He comes to Yankee Stadium, has two home runs in two days. Lefty bat. I mean, what are we doing here? What What kind of lineup are you assembling there? So it's it's frustrating. It, you know, Joe Girardi, I, I said it here when, it, you know, I think it was on the air when it happened, you know, right after it happened. <sighs> Letting Joe Girardi go was probably the biggest mistake that, that this regime made. Uh, whose decision was it? Was it Hal Steinbrenner's? Was it Brian Cashman's? Was it a collaborative effort to do so? Is that what the computer spit out? 
Joe Girardi managed with heart, still does. And that's that's a big regret, I think. I, I mean, I would think. Again, the man brought the team within one game of the World Series against the cheating Astros in Game 7, ALCS. And he gets fired. As a result, he gets fired. As a thank you, he gets fired. Because why? Because he couldn't relate to Sanchez? Is that the younger players in, in the clubhouse? He couldn't relate to them? That's why Dell and Betances followed him there? That's why Didi Gregorius followed him there to Philadelphia? And look at Gary Sanchez. He's not any better. Joe Girardi was a catcher, everybody. If you remember that, he was a catcher. He caught a perfect game. He won a World Series as a catcher. I think he knows a little bit more about catching than the uh, the guru, Gary Sanchez, correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. But, again, hindsight is twenty twenty. But I had the foresight at that point to say that that was a bad move. And I think a lot of Yankees fans uh, would agree with me, you included. So, coming up next, right now, we've got an extra special Subway Series edition of Beatboxing. And I'm sure, I hope... That you guys enjoy it. I'm going to put a poll up right now. I'm going to put it up right now so I don't forget to do it. As this goes here, for the listener's choice, is it going to be Tim Healy from Newsday for the Mets or is it going to be Brandon Cuddy from NJ.com and Star Ledger for, for the Yankees? So um, I hope you guys enjoy it. Beatboxing up next on The Fan. Daniel McCartan, Sports Radio 101.9 FM. The Fan. WFAN. Welcome to Beatboxing, where beat reporters from each team square off inside your listening device. Let's meet this week's contenders. Representing the New York Mets is Tim Healy from Newsday. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. And weighing in for the Bronx Bombers, the New York Yankees, Brandon Cuddy from NJ.com, and the Star Ledger. Round one, my favorite round, the emoji round. We are going to start with you, Tim Healy. Choose and explain one emoji, not a GIF, to explain your team at this very moment. The one emoji to explain the Mets is the one where he is smiling, but also has that gigantic drop of sweat because he's really sweating it out. The Mets right now are in first place. They have a winning record in the mediocre division. So they have a lot of things going for them. But they're also sweating it out because it could fall apart at really any time. They lost Joey Lucchese to injury, Peterson to injury. They don't have a lot of pitching depth left. The hitting is literally the worst in the league almost. As much as there is reason to believe in the Mets right now, they are not particularly secure in their position. So smiling, but also sweating bullets. (laughs) Okay, I like that. Let's go to Brennan Cuddy for the Yankees. Choose and explain one emoji to represent the team right now. Tim, Yankees fans could only wish to be smiling and sweating bullets. Right now for the Yankees, they are the puke emoji. But they're not just the puke emoji. They're an entire text message screen of puke emojis followed by the skull. Things couldn't be worse for the Yankees. They're coming off this horrendous multiple rain delay, ninth inning loss where Araldis Chapman blows up. Everything is going wrong. They're in fourth place, the American League East. They're looking up, and they can't even see the top. The the offense is stuttering. 
The pitching staff has been rough. Al Steinbrenner, the owner, had to address the team. They are puking all over themselves. Okay, let's go to round two. Brandon, we're going to start with you. Would you rather lose a game on a walk-off grand slam after multiple rain delays or lose a game 20 to two? So selfishly, I'd rather watch a game get lost 20 to two because that means my game story is written probably in the first inning. I got an easy night ahead of me. But if I'm a player, I probably want to lose off that walk-off grand slam or that ninth inning grand slam because it means that I was in the game It means that I had a chance. It means that things were going right in the first place. The Yankees, that's how they lost off that grand slam, having a four-run lead in the ninth inning. They're a little bit of a different case than me because I'm not the puking emoji. I'm not throwing up all over myself. They just suffered another heartbreak on top of heartbreak on top of heartbreak. So they might have a different opinion, but that's how I'd rather lose. And maybe the heartbreak emoji would be a good one for the Yankees too, going back to the last round. Tim. Would you rather lose in Yankee style or in Mets fashion? If I was a player, I would 1,000% rather lose the way the Mets did, 20 to 2. Because as Cuddy said, that game was over by the middle innings at the latest. You can basically dissociate, right? You don't have to be locked in. Your star players can come out of the game. You can throw your lesser relievers. Just kind of get through, go through the motions to wrap it up. The Yankees basically got their hearts ripped out, right? Two rain delays. When you're waiting through the rain delays, at least you're winning. At the end of the night, you can get a win. But then to lose in the fashion that they did, that's way more difficult than getting blown out early. To have Chapman blow it like that is just a a disaster for the Yankees completely. Round three. This is a, a topic of debate on my show often the hitting approach of each team. As everybody knows, the Yankees are kind of feast or famine at the plate. The Mets are a more hit-for-average team. So, Tim, which lineup philosophy is better? Uh, You know, I'm inclined to go with feast or famine because I associate feast or famine with power and slugging percentage, and that's the way it gets done. Uh, The Mets, hit-for-average in theory, yes, but... They might be also feast or famine, mostly famine because they barely score, period. Uh, They're averaging, you know, three and a half runs per game down there with the Pirates who are rebuilding and terrible and had no designs on being competitive this year. So that's the best Mets comparison this year offensively. I'd always rather have the sluggers, but in theory, you'd have a little bit of both. Some, Some guys with average, some guys with power, you know, a little bit of balance, which Hal Steinbrenner said they wish the Yankees had. All right, Brennan, go ahead. Tim, you stole my thunder. I was going to say my answer would be neither. I'd want to have balance. Right now, the Yankees are like a, a drunk person on a, on a high beam. Like they just, they're, they're falling right off. There's no balance to their lineup. They're too right-handed. They're power hitters. They're really not getting the job done. But at the same token, the Mets aren't either, right? There, there's not a lot of thump there. There's not a lot of excitement there. Listen, when it comes to the Yankees, You thought, I thought, everyone thought this lineup would produce. The the players aren't getting it done. It's not the approach that's flawed. It's the players the Yankees have assembled. So I'd rock with the the power approach as well, but really neither. (laughs) Round four, here we go. Underperformers. Uh, We're going to start this round with Brendan. Who is the biggest underperformer on the Mets and why? Well, it's got to be Jacob deGrom, right? Because, you know, you see Shohei Otani and he's hitting. So, you know, if, if Jacob deGrom is so great, why isn't he getting out there and playing outfield every day and hitting 30 home runs? 
Uh, it's got to be Jacob DeGrom to me, but really, no, it's got to be Francisco Lindor, right? You gave him $300 million. He's uh, miles away from hitting 300 right now, uh, hitting, I think, 215. Not, no power. The defense is great. The spark he brings is great. I would, I think that the team is a loves him, Tim. You could, you can speak more to that. I don't know if there was that fight that happened with the whole rat situation in the dugout. I don't know, but I would think it's got to be Francisco Lindor. You thought you'd get a whole lot more out of him, and now you got another ten years of this. <laughs> Tim, who's the biggest underperformer on the Yankees? It's DJ LeMayhew. His season has been a disaster. For him to be a league average hitter is just not good enough. He's looking this year a lot more like his Rockies self. He did win a batting title that one year with the Rockies, but other than that, was just really a, a mediocre hitter and a good defender. This year, after being excellent on a short-term contract with the Yankees and then getting that six-year, $90 million deal, he's been bad. And, you know, he's, what, 32 years old this year, I think. You wonder, at some point, he is going to regress. Is this season the beginning of that? Too early to say, but you can't help but wonder. Ooh, okay. Round five. This is a big debate here. Which player is the biggest superstar in New York baseball? Tim. Jacob DeGrom. Best pitcher in the world. Doesn't have the cachet of being an everyday player, and that's a little tougher in conversations like this. Also tougher in MVP conversations, which is probably going to be a debate on New York airwaves and and newspaper pages all summer to see if the ground can keep this up. But when you're the best of the best and everybody knows it, and every time you start, there is a legit chance that you're just going to throw a no-hitter, then you're the biggest star there is. Judge, Lindor, Alonzo, all good answers too, but I got to go with DeGrom. Brandon, do you agree? For, you know, you're a Yankee reporter. Do you agree that Jacob DeGrom is the biggest superstar in New York baseball? Listen, I'm at the supermarket. I got a guy in front of me. He's kind of tall, got some facial hair. He's, he's buying his groceries. I look up, it's Jacob <laughs> DeGrom. I have no idea. I have no idea because I have no facial recognition uh, when it comes to Jacob DeGrom. Where is his face on billboards throughout New York City and New Jersey and Long Island? Where are his video game endorsements, his big money deals? You don't see him on commercials left and right. He's not six foot seven. He didn't cause news waves when his teeth got fixed. Listen, it's got to be Aaron Judge. He's the face of the New York Yankees. Though Jacob deGrom is the more valuable player, that's got to mean something. Uh, He's the face of the Yankees. That's a big deal. Can I challenge? All yours. I would say that Judge having a great season, but for me, there is star value, yes. In the, you know, the, the star versus MVP is an interesting discussion. But if you haven't played a full season since 2017, how much of a star can you be if you're not on the field? That's the same bone I have to pick with Fernando Tatis Jr., who was already establishing himself as injury prone. So Judge, yes, excellent, having a superb season. Could be in the MVP conversation this year if it was not for Otani, but you never know when he's going to get hurt. Can I rebut Tim's rebuttal? Yes. <laughs> you, you see that guy on the street, you want his autograph. Uh, I think that if you put you know, Jacob deGrom uh, in an Islanders uniform and threw him out on the ice, he looked like he should be out there on the, on the second line. And I think that's a big deal. I think when you're talking star power, I think you're talking about you know, whose face do you recognize more and who hits the who has the more highlights 
highlight reel type things. I think it's going to be Aaron Judge, and I think the pinstripes have a whole lot to do with that. Round six, managers. Which manager has done a better job with his team? And this is full disclosure. Here's a tweet from Tim Healy a little over a month ago. He said, I'll say it, through a quarter plus of the season, Luis Rojas is legit NL Manager of the Year candidate. Let's go with you, Brendan. Which manager has done a better job? Well, I mean, if you think I'm going to sit here and defend the manager who her chance of fire boom from the stands, uh, that's that's not going to happen. I think Tim and I are both going to agree. It's got to be Luis Rojas. I think a lot of a lot of fans, a lot of people throughout baseball think the Mets are playing a little bit over their heads right now. They're performing in a way that not a lot of people saw. And if you are the Yankees, you're wondering to yourself, where is some of the fire with this team? Where is some of, I don't want to say the heart, right? Because this is a, this team under Aaron Boone has won a hundred games in a season twice, but they've got punched in the mouth. They're not stepping back up. You wonder if that's a reflection on Boone. Hmm. Good point, Tim. I know. I, I think I know where you're going with this. I, I have to agree with Cuddy that it has to be Rojas by default because Boone's season has been an absolute disaster. He is maybe the least impressive 100 win season manager in recent history. Uh, he's not impressive at all as a manager. Would not be surprised at all if he's fired at the end of the year or his contract isn't renewed, whatever you want to call it. That said, even if the Yankees and Boone were doing better, the answer would be Luis Rojas. The way he has kept the Mets not just afloat, but levitating above water, given all the injuries they have, it's incredible. It's at this point between Luis Rojas and Gabe Kapler for NL Manager of the Year. Long way to go, but Rojas has had a great season. Round seven, uh, the, the most current odds that I found to win the World Series. The Mets are at plus 850. The Yankees are at plus 1,500. So if you extrapolate out the rest of the season for your team, I know they're both long shot odds. Let's everybody, let's be clear here. But which team has a more realistic shot at winning it, Tim? You know, at those odds, I'd probably rather put money on the Yankees as much of a unimpressive season as they've had, or at least from afar. You know, as somebody who isn't around the Yankees every day, it still feels like they can catch fire and go on a tear and maybe sneak into the playoffs and get hot in October. Right? That's all you need sometimes. Just ask the 2011 Cardinals, the Mets. I don't know that, that the depth is there. You know, they're waiting on Syndergaard to come back, waiting on Carrasco to come back. They keep waiting for the hitting, and the hitting keeps not showing up. So the Mets are a first-place team. They should make the playoffs, but I'm not super confident in their World Series chances. Brendan. Listen, I'm not going to act like I understand betting lines. Uh, I don't even apply for new credit cards because I don't trust myself with money. So based off of what I've seen, uh, I'm going to ask you guys how my impression is and who am I? World Series? You talk about the World Series? Uh, was, that was Jim Moore. That was terrible. Uh, I'm going to go see myself out. But the, the Yankees have no shot at the World Series. Uh, they have really probably no shot at the playoffs, if we're being totally honest. At eight and a half games out through 80 games, sure, crazier things have happened. I like the Mets' chances of continuing to do what they're doing as opposed to the Yankees' chances of rising from the grave. Luis Rojas has the Mets floating over water, walking on water. Uh, the Yankees are possibly in the grave. All right, so the reading of the scorecard, I am judge and jury here, everybody. Uh, round one went to Brendan Cuddy. I love the puke emoji, a whole bunch of them, and then the skull, because that's what I think is a really good representation of where Yankees are right now. Round one went to you. Two was a draw. I couldn't pick, so I just I circled them both. Round three, I went with Tim's answer there. 
because you threw in the Hal Steinbrenner reference there. Hal kind of just proved your point there. Nailed it. Round four went to Tim as well because I liked when you said DJ LeMahieu's season has been a disaster. And then you questioned the regression, which is something that we had talked about on the air, at least when he signed that contract at a longer term deal. Where was the regression going to happen? And I brought it up. You uh, touched a, a vein of fear for a lot of Yankees fans. Is this the beginning of the regression? So I like that. Round five went to you, Brendan, because I loved the food shopping story. And when I wrote this question, I was hoping this was going to go here because it's the whole debate of being the best player versus being the superstar. And Brendan, how you brought up the video, video game deals, all this stuff. That's exactly where I wanted this to go. So I'm with you on that. I do believe that Aaron Judge, especially since his teeth made like front page news, <laughs> I went with you for that answer. Although Jacob deGrom is the best player in New York. Round six, Tim, the least impressive multi 100 win manager in recent history. <laughs> yeah, that one, that went to you. I, I get the fire emoji out for that one. <laughs> and then finally round seven, it was a tough one. I ended up going with uh, Tim on that round, too, because here's a Mets writer giving some Yankee fans some hope. That's right. So we got a final score. of Tim, you won four rounds. Brandon, you won two, with round two being the draw. You're feeling good. So uh, apparently I don't win with no matter what. (laughs) All right. Well, you guys, thanks for joining us. This is a very – this is a fan favorite um, segment here. So thanks to Brandon Cuddy from NJ.com and the Star Ledger. And uh, Tim Healy from Newsday. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I've made my decision. Now it's your turn. Head to Coach McCartan on Twitter. That's M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. To cast your vote to give out the listener's choice beatboxing belt. In doing so, please consider strength of argument and also delivery. And you guys have a chance to, there are 13 minutes left to vote at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Right now, Brendan Cuddy is leading Tim Healy with 60% of the vote. I'm actually going to tweet out my scorecard as well in case you guys want to. Welcome back. It's McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan in New York City on this July 4th, Sunday, July 4th at 4.04 in the morning. How special is that? Four is a lucky number, I guess, on this day. On the way in, I saw some fireworks over the West Side Highway. Uh, Probably illegal, but they were still cool. They were still nice to see. Be safe out there, everybody. You don't need uh, Jason Pierre-Paul to remind you to be safe. Sorry. I don't know if that was a laugh or maybe you snarled at your radio right now, but hey, it is what it is. You got into a fireworks accident after a few brews, I'm sure, on July 4th. So everybody, please be safe out there. And, uh, you know, it's been a really long night. It's been a really long season for the New York Yankees. Uh, we've been talking about the, the woes that are plaguing the New York Yankees and where to go from here. And it's a spot that Yankee fans are not used to being in. Let, let's put it that way. And and we can't forget, like, we can't take away anything from the Mets right now. Like, the Mets put together 14 hits, none of which were a home run to beat the Yankees. Tremendous production from their top three batters, Nimmo, Lindor, Dom Smith. I mean, if you're a Mets fan, too, and I wanted to talk about this maybe if you would like to as well, you have to look at that, that lineup, and they're playing in an American League ballpark, which means they have a DH. So 
potentially with the CBA, the new CBA coming up next season, potentially this is what a Mets lineup could look like moving forward with both Dom Smith and Pete Alonso in the lineup. And no one's playing out of position. So if you're a Met fan, um, that looks pretty good. And uh, it's, it's about time, obviously, in my opinion, that the NL joins the AL and has a DH. And I hope you guys enjoyed the beatboxing segment there, everybody. So we've got, let's see, let's do a quick check in the votes before we go back to the phones. I tweeted out my scorecard. Uh, ooh, Tim Healy took the lead over that quick update from from Mike McCann. So we've got six minutes left to vote at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Tim Healy's got, let's round it off, 61% of the vote. That was like a flip-flop. Wow. You guys are great. This is cool. So if you guys get your votes in uh, at uh, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, if you want to tweet me as well, or if you want to give me a phone call, it's 877-337-6666. And do not forget, at 440, we've got Team USA's Tina Charles joining us from, from my homegrown segment. She's from Queens. And she reminisces, uh, hopefully, a lot about Growing up in Queens, just like Todd Frazier did, growing up in Tom, in Tom's River and, and how that affected his career and moving forward. And now they're Olympians, both of them. And I don't know if you want to know. I do have next week's guest lined up as well. I don't know if you want to know it or not. Last week, you guys told me you didn't want to know it. But this week, maybe you do. Maybe I'll throw that poll up as well. So let's go back to the phones. Uh, let's go in the order that you guys called. Of course, Pete in New Brunswick, New Jersey. You're up next on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. Love the show. How are you? Today? Oh, thanks. Good. I'm great. How are you? Excellent. You stole a little bit of my thunder already, Uh-oh. but I'll still uh, harp Tell on me. it anyway. Tell me. Giancarlo Stanton, I think if you're upper management at this point, you just knock on his door and say, you know what, we need you to play the field five days a week. Get a bat. I don't care if you get hurt now because ultimately you're just clogging up the DH. We can't put our best lineup on the field. And Higashioka obviously is going to start, you know, for Cole, you know, when Cole pitches mm-hmm. or, you know, later on today. And it's just starting to get frustrating, even though we have way too many righty bats as is. You still have to get your best lineup on the field. Mm-hmm. So I think now it's just now or never withstand. It's just, let's see, you know, either, you know, swim or drown, you know, out in the field. And that's kind of my take on that. And I just wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah. And, and, and Pete, thanks for, for hanging on through that and and, uh, and that question there. So, listen, I don't, I don't really agree with the, I'm uh, just going to throw you out there five days a week and maybe you get hurt. That's not going to help anybody either because when you saw Stanton at the beginning of the year, he's a streaky hitter. He was hot. So being hurt is not going to, um, you know, help this team in any way, especially since he's still on the books, right? So I think that they are building him up, which I don't even know what that means, but building him up to play the outfield, the goal, the target date, the last I saw anyway, was, was the end of this month. Uh, I think at that point it would give you a little bit more flexibility in 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 your lineup clearly because you can you could DH Sanchez you could you know DH uh, really anybody honestly it just gives you a lot more flexibility there so the plan maybe would be hopefully the target would be playing three days a week three I don't think that's much to ask out of a professional athlete who's making uh, what twenty nine million dollars this year. I don't think that's a big ask. And and the one intriguing thing to me, if I were GM of the Yankees, I would try, and look, he's got, we're in the year 2021, so theoretically, 
kind of they already paid him right this year. Then he's got twenty nine million next year, thirty two, thirty two. Oh, and then another one, thirty two. I was gonna say, see if you knock on his door and ask him for if you want how much how much could could we buy you out for? Send you somewhere else because again, people keep forgetting this. The Marlins are paying ten million dollars over the last three years of this deal. So it does lessen the load a little bit. So shave $30 million off that deal. How much would the Yankees be willing to to just buy him out and get something back for him and eat some of the salary? Because he is um, completely clogging up not only the payroll, but the lineup as well with his inability to play in the field. So, that's something that if if I'm Brian Cashman in my job, I'm on the hot seat. That that's something I'm kind of looking to do to get a little creative in what I'm doing here, because uh, the seat's getting warmer by each passing day. And can you imagine if the Mets take one or both of these ga- Subway Series games? I, I don't know what I, I would hope something would change on, on the Yankees' end, but I'm not confident that it will. Let's go to, oh, Tom and Brick, you're back. Tom, you want to finish your point from before? Yeah, I tell you, uh, I I have this strong feeling that, you know, this love affair with Boone uh, is not, you know, to his benefit. The man had a, a heart condition. They had a major heart surgery. I think his family is going to step in and tell him, you're going to, you know, you're not putting yourself in a good position with your physical condition. Mm-hmm. And they're going to they're gonna look for uh, another manager because he's going to put them in a position where he wants to get out. And I got the perfect guy for him. In 1995 and the early 90s, there were two men that built the Yankees. Stick Michael mm-hmm. and Buck Showalter. Did you ever hear this story? Because you hear it a lot today. Tell me. That, that Buck Showalter was fired, I think, after the 95 season when they lost to Seattle and and uh, as the play first playoff team. And he hired Joe Torrey. Joe Torrey had never been a very successful manager wherever he played but I think the story that goes around and it's from the press is that Steinbrenner realized he made a mistake when he went and hired Tory and he told uh, Tory uh, I'm going to I'll bump you up to a you know, general manager's job or some other job but I really want uh, Buck Showalter to, to be the manager because this is his, he was the coach, the manager of all of them core four players uh, that made that great run of about 10 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just fits perfect. And believe me when I tell you, Buck Showalter could do the job. He could do the job. He's, he stayed really up front uh, with different teams. Uh, being a manager, and I listened to him talk, and he's really a, an asset to the game uh, when he's on the field. He, he's a, he's a take charge guy. He's not, you know, 
And I'll tell you one thing about DB, you're a Philly fan? Me? No, no, no. I just play on the uh, Phillies, uh, my softball team, my rec softball oh, team. Oh, excuse me. I told you. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no. Well, but DB had an extra thing that every winning team, and that was the years that the Yankees were winning 100 games, was he kept that locker room loose. Yes. And that, to me, you know, nobody builds that into teams anymore. You know, we had a good clubhouse, so we had a good bench. So we, and I tell you, I don't know how whether that comes into effect of the terrible offense that we have now. Uh, in some way, I think you need a player or players like BB who keep things loose. Yeah, Tom, great point there, Tom. I, I agree with you. And when I look at my teams and the construction of my teams as well, I look to see who is going to be that player. You know, sometimes I tend to get a little serious too. And I know it's not that serious, but it is, you know, when you're in the middle of it. And as you were talking, I'm just kind of looking in my mind's eye down like the Yankee dugout. Like, who is that player that keeps it loose? You know, one thing I, I saw that I did not like today is Brett Garner banging his damn helmet against the top of the roof of the dugout, and then he had to go fix it. I'm t- I'm so done with that. I hated when he did it last year, uh, and I hated when he did it today. I mean, enough is enough. Like, stop with that. It's so stupid. You look like a moron doing that. You're not charging anybody up by doing that. Put it away. Think of a different way, more constructive way. And I and and as you were talking, I just don't know who that guy is to keep it loose. I'm thinking I, I I don't have the answer. So the intangibles, right? It's not on a scorecard. That what Didi Gregorius did his tweets after the game, you know the emojis and 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 whatever. And I and you know it's hard too because you're you know as part of the media, you know I'm not in the locker room. I I was in 2019. For the Mets, I'll tell you, Jacob DeGrom keeps it light in there. I will tell you that much, at least when I was there anyway. And so, yeah, that's that's a really good point. And and when you don't have that, you press at the plate. You know, your, your hands are a little, grip the bat a little bit tighter, trying to just do a little too much. And, um, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Let's go in the order that you guys called. Mike in West Palm Beach, you're up next on the fan, Mike. Buongiorno, professore. <laughs> Buona mattina. Grazie. And uh, happy 4th of July to everybody, red, white, and blue. That's right. Um, speaking of 4th of July, I'll start off with this, uh, Danielle. <clears throat> that uh, uh, Olympic trials, uh, she wins the bronze, and she turns her back on the flag. Mm-hmm. If you don't like competing, uh, why compete for the Olympics and, and, and uh, our flag? Don't even bother. Okay? Don't even bother. You wasted everybody's time. It's a disgrace. And what's what um, was and what was lost was was the the yeah. other the other competitor who had done what a career best or something like that, and, and it was lost in all of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. The spotlight was on yeah. uh, her about her um, stubbornness and uh, stupidity, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, shout out to Nick. I always give shout outs to good producers. Um, Danielle, I got yesterday's post here, okay? I was watching uh, the Met Yankee game yesterday. <clears throat> it's good to see, you know, most owners stay in the background. Hal Steinbrenner is not like his father, mm-hmm. okay? But he gave his, uh, what does it say here? Oh, uh, uh, Hal Steinbrenner absolved manager Aaron Boone 
for the Yankees' struggles. Yeah. Okay? Put, put it totally on the players is what he did. Right. And I'm glad they had a meeting. I'm reading about Judge accepts blame and everything else, but you have to have a meeting. Uh, I hate to say it, but they're pretty much a triple-A team. And you mentioned it many times. Um, <clears throat> you know, go back to, to, to small ball um, and banging of the helmets, you know, uh, real, real uh, stupid stuff. But, but they're, they're, they got bad mojo going on. Yes. You know, and <laughs> you were yeah. the king of mojo. You would know. <laughs> yeah. With my, with my drumsticks, you know, uh, uh, rimstock. Really, you know, and it's, you know, when, when teams are playing well, it, it, it well, you know that coach, uh, you, you're playing days and coaching and involved in, in, in sports uh, and interviews that you've done and everything else. You know, um, uh, good mojo affects the whole team. Bad mojo, hey, listen, that that's going to be, you know, uh, an Achilles heel for everybody. Um, I'm glad to see the Mets are getting their guys, especially Nimmo, speed uh, off the injured list. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the callers, uh, I was curious, uh, uh, Joe D, I wonder if he's all right, because uh, I think he's the unofficial uh, uh, grandnephew Great nephew of Joe DiMaggio. But I, uh, I remember about two months ago, I'm listening, and, you know, I guess he had a rough day, and, you know, some Yankee fans, you want, you expect to win every game, and it could happen. You know, are you listening to me, Danielle? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what he oh, said. when he said that, I was like, are you kidding me? What are you think I'm doing? Me? That's right. And then you, you cut him off as well as could be, you know, uh, with your position. Uh, well, I'm going to take the next caller, and I can't answer that. You know, whatever. <laughs> but um, uh, what else? Um, oh, I'm glad. Uh, I'll make it quick. you got people on deck. Um, I'm glad uh, the Mets were in the bidding for Mr. Wonderful for the Dodgers, and, and you see what he's involved in, Bauer. Oh, yeah. And just just disgusting. Disgusting, yeah. Uh, Good word. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm, I'm psyched. I mentioned to Nick, I'm flying up uh, August 2nd. My mom is 89. I'll, I'll be up in Old Hood, uh, Long Island, for about a week. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. Cool. And I will take, take in a Met game because uh, Dad took me to the Polo Grounds when I was eight years old. I've been to at least one game a year in some classic games for 58 mm-hmm. years. So I can't count last season because of the COVID, uh, but i got to continue my streak. Um, and uh, all right, that's it for me, <laughs> Danielle. Um, I hope you're uh, going to the golf range. And Ann Liguori might take you out. Um, uh, I'm sure that's going to happen because deals are made. I don't have to tell you with all the people you've uh, you've met over the years. Some good deals are made on a golf course, you know. Um, and I'll leave you with this: you still got serious mojo behind the microphone, Danielle. All right, Mike. And, thank you. Thank you. We'll talk next week. Thank you. Yes. All the best. All the best, Danielle. I had a, a tweet come in. Uh, from oh, I forget who it was. Um, at Reinhold Brill says Zzz, a lot of Z's. Great idea. Let's bring back someone from thirty plus years ago. New idea. Does Billy Martin have a son? Bring him in. Okay, so a little facetious on the tweet there, but I think the Yankees need somebody cutting edge with an old school mentality. I know Buck Walter has the old school mentality. I'm not sure how cutting edge he is. And I would like if, in fact, the Yankees bring in a new GM just to have a little bit more control shifted back to the manager. Enough with this. 
you saw Aaron Boone today. Oh, we we meet in big, large groups. We meet in small groups. What? What do you one on one meet? Come on, enough, enough. You are the manager. Take charge. You do it. <laughs> I just I don't know. So you know I know the Angels were in town this week, you guys. I posted it on my social media channels that a bet that I made all the way back on March 31st. What's the bet? What are the odds that it happens even now, currently, as we sit here on on the Independence Day, July 4th? Well, you guys can help me. You guys can tell me. Coming right up. Celebrate your July 4th like a pro with a fan all day as the Yankees and Mets continue their Subway Series with a good old-fashioned doubleheader. Tune in at 1.25 p.m. with first pitch at 2.05. Then it's more Subway Series action at 7.05 with pregame at 6.25. Driven by Jeep. Catch John Sterling and Susan Waldman with all the play-by-play right here on The Fan. Go, go, go. Go Yankees! It's fourth. It's I should really. Oh, I, I screwed that up. I should have said go USA. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. Happy July Fourth, everybody! It is July Fourth. It's Independence Day. Hope you guys have a safe holiday. I was asked uh, by my colleagues in Las Vegas, uh, "What is my go-to on the grill?" Well, I guess grilled chicken. I like. I do like uh, Nathan's hot dog. It's got to be Nathan's only. So on March 31st, exactly 8.45 p.m., March 31st, that is, 8.45 p.m., Eastern, I placed a $5 bet on Shohei Otani to be the AL MVP. No big deal, right? Well, to me, it is $5. To me, it is because on that date, the odds that Shohei Otani was going to win the AL MVP were plus 2,000. So my $5 would turn into $100. Now, how's that for return on investment, everybody? I think I have a good chance of winning. I mean, I don't think it really matters how the Angels finish the season, to be honest with you. The guy, the pitcher, is on pace for 60 home runs. Like, that's kind of insane. That's like Babe Ruthian. Unheard of nowadays. So, uh, what do you guys think? I think uh, I think I'm in pretty good position here. So Shohei Otani, thank you. And sorry that the lines were too long on Wednesday night at Yankee Stadium. I couldn't come in and see you pitch. Sorry about that. Wasn't my fault though. Okay, eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. What do you guys think about my bet? Let's go to Ben in Queens. You're up next on the fan. Morning, Coach. Matter of fact, that was what was it? That was a stat used last night. That with Otani's totals, he's the first pitcher since Babe Ruth to hit 29 plus home runs. See that? So, so yeah, you're right there. Let's put it that way. Uh, to a couple of callers ago, I hate when people do this. There are two guys responsible for the Yankees' emergence: Stick Michael and Brock Showalter. Excuse me. Bob Watson was there, too. Bob Watson scouted a lot of these guys. He was right there by, uh, by Michael's side, making sure some of those kids stayed up. All right? So, dude, Michael's, uh, yes. Showalter, yes. They built the team, but you give Bob Watson his laurels, too. Too many guys do that. 
I've noticed that. Yeah, you got it, Benny. You, you, you did him his justice. All right, what's next? <laughs> All right, next up is congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks. I know I doubted you. That the 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 turning point of the series was definitely the Trey Young injury. Um, but you know what? Give Milwaukee full credit. They took advantage, and uh, Atlanta the Atlanta bench couldn't pull uh, uh, couldn't pull it out. Um, Contrary to popular belief, all of Canada is not rooting for Montreal. Really? No, no, no. When I say Montreal is like the, the Yankees of Canada, it is a fact. There are Canadians that would will actually root for Tampa against the Canadians. And I'm so crazy. This is crazy to me. I I, I I am not lying. Let let a Montreal fan call up, and you'll hear how other Canada teams treat them. They they like oh they are leaders. Da, 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 da. But trust me on this one. So three zero. We'll see what they got because you know Tampa's coming out with a kill shot. Absolute positive kill shot. Ah. Uh, I mean, this has not been a positive freaking week for women in sports. There's just been... Listen, Shakari did what she did, okay? And you know what? What I liked is she didn't shy away from it. She said, this is what I did. This reasons behind what I did, all right? She thought it was okay. It was not okay. No one did the check. But in the heat of the moment, in the grief, you do what it makes you it makes you relax. Mm-hmm. A friend put it best. She ran that numbers on weed. Yeah, she well, ran. Ben, uh, rules are rules, there, Ben. I know, I know, I know. But what I'm saying is, she ran that number on weed. If she was not high. <laughs> wow! Come on, Ben. There's no evidence that I, she was actually. I mean, it was it was after the fact, but it wasn't during the race. I, I know, but but what what I'm saying is, I'm not validating it. Okay, my sister has often said, for the last ten years, there should be a a separate uh, list or even a pharmacy for Olympic athletes, hmm. where they, they could get not the stuff that's banned. But stuff that's close. I think that's a great idea. Okay, but but why else I bring this up? They just had a, a sprinter, uh, McNeil, I think her name was. Okay, and she got denied on her appeal to be eligible because when they tested her, she was taking medicine because she had an abortion. Yeah, and she avoided days. and she avoided the test. She didn't answer the, the knocks on the door. She didn't answer the phone calls. Exactly. I mean, exactly, and. Um, that's on her, but the woman just had an abortion. You know, there's, there's some parts of this that feel cold and unbecoming and stuff. Because you but can rule, always... Ben, rules are rules. I know, I know, I know. I know rules are rules. But there's, there's like a social part of me and a, a rational part of me. More, more like my military side yeah. and my homeland side. Mm-hmm. So I could see where they're coming from. And I can see where we are, and last thing to leave on, sure. what have we been talking about for the past nine months? What have the, like, the, the beefhead Yankee fans been fighting us about? What you saw today, or, or, or yesterday, before the rain, and stuff hit again, 
what you saw was one team that took advantage, and it's amazing. They, they, ha- they scored the less runs in the league. But at the precise time they needed to come through, they came through, and then you have my Yankees. And I'm just like, what the hell? Just what the hell? Yeah. Thank you for the time, Daniel. Thank you for letting me vent. You know, <laughs> I, I like having the soundboard just because sometimes my thoughts are crazy. But at the same time, you know, just to hear your side of it, 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 it helps tremendously. Well, Ben, thank Next you. week. Yeah, next week. You know, sometimes I feel like sometimes I feel like I am the role of like psychologist, not psychiatrist, but psychologist, because, you know, it's uh, it's not a good time in Yankee land. And I feel like I've been being that that person for everybody tonight, um, which is fine. I'm OK with it. Let's go to Eric in, in Ronkonkoma. You're up next on the fan. Hey, Daniel. Good morning. How are you doing? Great. How are you? Good, good. Well, I mean, I, I was going to hoping to avoid the whole Islander reference there, you know, but Benny brought it up with Montreal and Tampa. But I, I would imagine that uh, like the, the Maple Leafs fans are not, you know, thrilled with Montreal considering how that whole series went. So I, I, I could certainly see, you know, some Canadian uh, uh, Canadian fans or teams not liking them. But, um, but yeah, just it just kind of burns me a little bit when I see how that series is going and knowing how close we were. But uh, yeah, that, that's a whole other thing. You know, yeah. but I'm going to stick with the baseball here. Sure. Um, <clears throat> a couple things with the beatboxing I wanted to throw out there. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly, and again, this goes back to the Islanders. I certainly would rather have a blowout as opposed to a close game. And and you know, uh, you know, you you can, as we've seen in many instances, you know, you can kind of throw out the the blowout, uh, you know, and get ready for the next game. You know, just because you know it's you know one of those things. You know, what are you going to do? I mean, you're basically putting in a position player to to pitch. You know, I mean, you know that game is lost. You know, know. just get get oh, over no. and go, I, get I, out I the rather, next game. I would rather leave because you lose on like the last hit because you know you're in the game. I, I would I would stay in it till the end. Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on how you lose in it. I don't know. It, uh, but I, I I personally would rather get blown out and you know just you know kind of put it behind me. Um, as far as the um, uh, the 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 hitting, I mean, I I, I definitely agree. I, I would personally rather do a balanced mix myself, um, you know, because I, I think you've seen, you know, what happens when you have a, a, a top heavy home run hitting team. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, it, it is a wall or nothing, and and you're seeing that a lot now this year with the. With the supposed deadening of the balls, I mean, look how that's affected, you know, certain teams. I'm not going to say I'm all, you know, all of them because, you know, the, there are some teams that are hitting, um, you know, despite the uh, supposed change in the, in the, uh, the baseball. But, right. uh, but yeah, I mean, look at look at today's game though, for example. All right, I mean, not, not uh, I watched the, uh, you know, probably the first, you know, seven innings of the game. And I mean, there, there were some hits from the Mets that were kind of cue shots and whatever. They mm-hmm. they found their way through the in, the uh, the infield and whatever. Seeing I mean, eye uh, singles, Dom, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. The one of Dom Smith's uh, it looked like he swung late, and yet he sliced it down the left field line. Mm-hmm. I mean, it almost like the, the I think like the, the the pitch caught him by surprise, but he got a lucky hit out of it. Yeah. You know, but I would much rather have games like that than you know, trying to hit five home runs in a game because, right. you know, the the way I've always seen it is, you know, 
if you, if you have, you know, three or four excellent hitters uh, in the mix, that the home runs will come. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna certainly run into you know them more often than not. But you know, but at least you have the hitting to yes. fall back on, yep. which is, which is why it's kind of so surprising what's going on with Lemayu this uh, this year. I mean, uh, I mean they, that guy is a definition of a pure hitter. I don't know what's going on in, uh, with him, but uh, you know, but I'd rather have two or three of, of guys like him on the team than <clears throat> you know six or seven judges and, and stand. Yes. So uh, I'm with you. I don't know, but uh, yeah, but you know, and, and the last thing, look, let, <clears throat> I know I, I've heard this a lot, and, and I, I know it's the glory years, you know, even going back 20 years ago. But I, you know, I, I'm getting so tired of hearing, oh, well, George was still alive. You know, look, we don't even know if he were. I mean, uh, you know, it's not science fiction world, although that would be more interesting. Look. If he were if he were running the team these days, we don't even know if it still would be the same as old George, because baseball is different now. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's you know you gotta love your players, you know I mean the, you know uh, heaven forbid that uh, you know you insult one of them or, or bench them or whatever you know you never hear the end of it. So yeah. uh, I mean look what happened when they hired Mickey Calloway. What was the first thing he said in the opening press conference? I'm going to love them like they've never been loved before. Yeah. I mean, I almost fell off my seat when I heard that. <laughs> so, I know. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, 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 these guys. I, I don't. And look, I mean, it was it was good to see. And I'm not look. I'm not a Yankee fan, but I, I thought it was a good thing that Judge called the players only meeting after yeah. what Hal said the other day. But these guys have got to be able to accept constructive criticism. I mean, they they, yeah. they just think that uh, you know everything is okay. Well, no matter what, you know, you, I'm just. You, you can't say anything to me because you know I'm going to take it the wrong way. So yeah, and I'm talented I, I, I enough. To, oh yeah, and I'm talented enough to overcome it. Yeah, Eric, Eric good points right. there. Good points. Yes. So uh, yeah, I just I just think that there needs to be an overall uh, thought change in in the sport and, and and you know yeah just in general. But but anyway, listen. Yeah. Uh, happy and most importantly safe, like you said, Fourth Fourth of July to everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, Eric, you too. Thank you. Um, and it's a good point, sure. And I think people, when they reference the the uh, George Steinbrenner thing, is that he just wouldn't be okay with all the losing and the apathy sort of kind of that's going on here. I think that's it. I think. I mean, when I would say that, that's what I would think when I would say that. Let's go to Joseph all the way out in L.A. You're the farthest caller tonight, Joseph. You're on the fan. Hey, hello. How are you doing? Happy holidays, Steve. You too. I'm, I'm like, bewildered. Maybe, like, your predecessor before you, like, sound like you still – had a little bit of hope the host before, but I just don't like what part of dead and buried do like some of these fans get like hold on, I did that as far as the Yankees go. Like it's done. It's over. They look lifeless. Yes. Aaron Judge, Steinbrenner, Boone and, and, and Cashman are essentially the guys on the Titanic playing the music as the ship is going down. Like you know, yeah. I might you're going with the ship, but this is dead. You really even they 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 take two or three for the Mets or whatever. And, and before you came on I was, I'm, I'm, it was, I was listening, and it sounded like the exact. I'm like, this is a rerun. Is the exact same end of that guy's show. It's like Derek Cole's gonna come out there, and just, and what happened? Who got nothing? He went out there, and yeah, he got cold. He got yeah. cold clock, right? Essentially, right. And so, it's and, it's that whole thing with the sticky stuff too. I think it's really starting to affect him. He, I mean, he has to. Absolutely. You have to learn all over again. I mean, what's his name from Tampa Bay told you? You have to learn all over again how to pitch a baseball without it. Yeah. It, exactly. The same way I would say I was going to move on to a point where it may not be that same, maybe the same issue with Chapman because they got lucky yes, against the Yes, absolutely. Athletic. 
Yes. They got lucky against the Royals because they should have lost two out of two out of three to both of those teams. So I don't know when this whole they're going to go on a run. They would have to play almost 700 baseball. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not happening. Yep. Get rid of what you can. Yep. Come into terms of reality and, and just end it. Like, they got the Mariners coming up. They got the Astros coming up. If they, if, that, if they get, let me ask you a opinion, then, then I'll, then I'll, uh, one more quick point. Sure. If they get swept by, let's say, the Astros, then come out of break and get swept by the Red Sox, do you think that will initiate some type of change or they, or have they already do themselves with the whole, it's on the player speech? Yeah. And I, just a funny, yeah. And just a funny note, real quick, before you comment on that. Mm-hmm. It looks like Tampa Bay has turned into a title town now. Let me tell you something, Joseph. I have a cousin that lives there, and he talks a lot of crap. Believe me, I've heard it all. I'm done with it. I, I'm going to put him on mute. Actually, <laughs> oh, yeah. But I just, I, I don't. I'm like, this is. What do you think, Isaac? Because I don't see like, and the Mariners need those games because they're in the wild card. Houston needs those games. Mm-hmm. Then they go right to eight out of ten out of Boston. So where is this though? They're going to get new life. Like, no, this guy can't even. He's still getting past balls like this is Little League. Like, I know. Uh, Can't even turn his glove the right way. Let's let's start with that. Joseph, oh. man, I'm with you, man. Thanks for the call there. I appreciate that. Um, one thing, my cousin and everybody there is calling it Champa Bay, by the way. Champa Bay. Like championship Tampa Bay, right? But yes, I know. Listen, if this was a Yankees team that has showed you that they have been a resilient bunch, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then I'd be like, you know what? They have a chance. They have yet to show any sort of resiliency, any sort of ability. I told you this. I tried looking for the notes. It was like the third week of the season. And I was like, you know what? I had a revelation. This team can't come back from being down early. I couldn't find the notes to tell you exactly what day it is, but but take my word for it. That theme has carried over throughout the season. You saw today. They were down. Gary Sanchez can't turn it in his glove the right way. They're down 3 nothing. The game was over pretty much. Judge had a garbage time home run. We understand that. Solo home run. And Nick and I were just talking before too. I don't know why Aaron Judge is batting second. It was a solo home run. He should be batting at least third or fourth in that lineup. But that's a story for another day. That, that's something else for another day, I think. But listen, if this team showed you that they had the fight and the willpower and the ability to come back, then I wouldn't read them their rights. But right now, how this team looks, it's not impressive. We'll put it that way. And if they continue to play the way that they're playing, if nothing changes, then they should absolutely be sellers at the deadline. And we're going to have to wait and see to see if they make any changes before the deadline, as in coaching staff, managerial, the GM staying put no matter what I think anyway. And then we'll see. We'll have to wait and see what happens. But um, as as of right now, if this team continues along the same autopilot path that it's been on, pack it in now. Pack it in three months ago. What is it going to take to make a change on this team? Well, we'll see in the coming days. Coming up next, my homegrown Olympian segment from Queens, Tina Charles. She's an WNBA legend. Listen, if you're not into women's basketball, you're not into women's sports, I challenge you at the beginning of the year. That was my New Year's resolution for you. Now you have a rooting interest, a New York, a Queens rooting interest in this Olympics. Tina Charles up next on The Fan.
join us on Homegrown Olympian here on The Fan in New York City. The first pick of the 2010 draft, WNBA legend, Tina Charles. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Tina, from Christ the King High School in Jamaica, Queens, to UConn, to the New York Liberty, many places in between, and now to the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. I know you've done some directing. We'll talk about that in a second. If you were to title a movie based on your life, what would you call it? Oh, man. That's, that's, I don't know. <laughs> that caught me off guard. I have, I have, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Delayed, not denied. I think that's the best thing I can say right now that comes to my mind. Delayed, not denied. That's, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, for me, you know, nothing came easy for me. You know, everything took some time, but it didn't mean to me the fact that I had to have patience, that it wasn't going to be attainable. You know, my, I think it was, no, you know, my first two years at UConn was, was tough. You know, I had to learn how to compete, but I didn't give up, you know, so everything that was coming that was a little delayed than what people thought my first two years were going to be. And just in my WNBA career, um, when it comes to wanting to win a championship, you know, I still believe that it's in sights and, and within my grasp. So something that's, that's delayed doesn't mean that it's denied. So I think that's the best thing I can say. I like that. So going back all the way to Queens now, what are some of your fondest memories playing basketball? I was actually born and raised in East Elmhurst, Queens, um, by Astoria Boulevard on 97th Street, closer to LaGuardia Airport. Um, my mother and I, we moved to Jamaica, Queens, my sophomore year at UConn, so in 2007. Um, but just growing up in Queens, I used to play at PS 127, which is in East Elmhurst, and grew up playing in that park. And, you know, like I said, that, that park had a, that park in Queens had a cage in there. And that was the only one. Then there was the other courts in there, but that cage is where like the best of the best played. And I always wanted to get on the inside of that cage. So for me, that cage is very representation of, of, you know, just me trying to get on the inside of trying to win a championship, me trying to get on the inside of, you know, being a great filmmaker. Um, and that cage will, will always be in the back of my mind. But again, just because you're on the outside of things doesn't mean you can't be on the inside of it. So playing basketball at that park, and I'm sure you got to the cage. Did you always have Olympic dreams? Yes, yeah, so I remember vividly in, in 96, watching the 96 Olympics. You know, at the time, my mother and I were living in Florida. And, um, you know, I remember seeing women that looked like me doing something that I was starting to fall in love with. And, you know, I asked my mom questions about the Olympics. And, you know, my mom migrated from Jamaica. So she's more into watching track and field, <laughs> which is a highly regarded sport if you're coming from Jamaica, for sure. But for me, it was everything to see those women, you know, on that stage. And of course, I did think hopefully one day I can get there as well. You're literally a living, playing WNBA legend. How do you still maintain your New York roots? I know you're in D.C. now, but your New York roots, they're still strong, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I think everyone within the organization has gotten the breath of the New York in, in me. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you can take me out of New York, but New York is still always going to be in me. It's made me who I am, the way I walk, the way I talk, you know, the way I handle my business, how I go about things, how I see things, just being straight up and blunt and honest. That's me all the way. So I love it. You played high school at Christ the King. And I, I looked, it looks like you missed Sue Bird by just a couple of years, but did you get to meet her while you were in high school or no? Yeah, I want to say when she was at UConn or maybe like her first couple of years in the WNBA when she was with Seattle, she would come back and um, play pickup with us during our practice time. I guess maybe if she had an off day and she happened to be in New York. But I did see her, but I didn't know her personally. Pickup, that's pretty That's pretty cool. And now, yeah. now here we go. Fast forward, you're competing on your third Olympic team together. So what is the dynamic between the two of you guys as teammates, knowing that you guys are from the same little corner of the world? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, she she says that I follow her everywhere, which is pretty true. I think the only place I ever do is, is Seattle. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, Seattle's just Seattle. Sue is just a great player. Um, she's like a big sister to me. You know, anything if I ever want to talk about anything, she's always there. Um, very wise. I always watch how she speaks to players and how she's able to get the best out of them, and just the trust that she has, the passion that she has out there. She's just a great leader. She's one of the greatest point guards that I've had the privilege of playing with outside of Lindsey Whalen. So I'm just very thankful to have had time. And we don't know if this is her last one or not, but if it is, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm, you know, was able to be on three of them, three of the teams with her. Yeah. We're joined by team USA basketball's Tina Charles here on the fan in New York city. Speaking of three Olympics, you're playing for the hat trick of Olympic gold medals yourself. What is the expectation for this 2021 team? Um, just to get the job done. You know, that's always been the expectation, but it's just to get better along the way. You know, be great individuals, be great role models, know how to use your platform, knowing how to carry yourself. But just to make sure we leave a lasting impression for the next generation. You know, one of your first questions was, have I, when I was growing up, did I see the 96 team? You know, there's there's going to be, you know, young women that you start to see in the future where you're saying, you know, did you see that 2012 team or 2016 or, you know, 2021 now? So, um, I just want to leave a, a great lasting impression on, on those coming up behind me. What's different this time than the first two times? Well, the first time I was just happy to be there. <laughs> I was just like, hey, you want me to get suitcases, whatever you need. I was happy to be there. You know, I didn't really take it in the process that it took for us to win. You know, a lot of the vets were tearing and very emotional on the on the podium, but I was just cheesing. And my second one, you know, I was very in tune with that process. And just this one, just with everything that that this, this world has, has been through, that our nation has been through, I think it's going to stand for a lot of reasons. So I'm just happy to be a part of it. What are you expecting? Like, what is the emphasis on, on what reasons does it mean to put on that USA jersey? I mean, it means many things, you know, you're playing, playing for your country. You know, there's, when you think of it, when I get asked these questions, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to war, you know, I'm not in Afghanistan, you know, uh, there's other people who have way more on their shoulders and done way more for our country but to bring families together I think sports definitely brings family and people together and for other people to be in tune with with what's going on in our sports and our world I think it will help take away from a lot that's going on around us. Yeah how did the 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 COVID postponement year affect your training your planning etc? No it didn't affect me at all My, my mind to be honest, at the time with the pandemic, um, with what was going on with the Black Lives Matter movement, even social justice, um, my mind was, wasn't even on the Olympics at, at, at all. So I was just training as usual. You know, I was just training, getting ready, hopefully for the WNBA season, which thankfully we, we had one. So I think closer to the all-star break is when things are getting perspective and just actually thinking about Tokyo because, you know, it's actually going to be an Olympics this year. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the more underrated narratives, and this is why I'm so happy to have you on, during the Summer Olympics, the dominance of the American women in basketball, I mean, of the 11 gold medals awarded in the sport, eight of them have gone to the USA. Why do you think that the USA's women's program is just so dominant? I would just have to be the, you know, you get better as individuals get better. You know, you have individuals who take pride in their performance and how they go out. You know, there's great coaching staff. Um, there's great, you know, staff for USA basketball, which they do. Everyone does their job to a T where we just have to work, think about and be conscious about our sport and nothing going on around us. If we're going to where we're going to get our uniforms or anything like that. You know, we're very fortunate to have the individuals on the staff. So I think that plays a role in, in the dominance, you know, just it being USA players and the access and the resources that we have growing up that many other countries don't have um, and that we should be thankful for. So, um, yeah, I think that's the best answer. 
unbeaten, you mentioned, since 1996. Is it a thought? Is it a motivating factor? Or is it a pressure as you get ready for Tokyo? You know, Coach Oyama would tell me that pressure is when someone asks you to do something you're not capable of doing. And, and I think this is something that we're more than capable of doing. You know, I don't think we're looking into a number system. We're just looking into it as, you know, we, we need to get this goal because it's, it's for our country and it's for us individually and everyone who came along the way. So I love that. We have two-time gold medal winner playing for her third in less than a month. Tina, Tina Charles is with us here on the Fan Tribeca Film Festival. Now two-time gold Olympic gold medal winner, WNBA MVP. Rookie of the Year, eight-time All-Star. I mean, I could just keep going with this, but tell me more about how you, Tina Charles, added director to your resume. Yeah, um, I started with my father. You know, I did a film on him called Charlie's Records, and he's just an unsung hero. And just following that, you know, I just wanted to keep the focus on unsung heroes and give them a platform for people who, for their stories to go out there. And um, it's been very rewarding to me. It's a great balance from basketball. Um, I love to be active, and, you know, I like storytelling. I'm sorry I missed it at the Tribeca Festival this year. Um, where can we watch Game Changer? Well, it just premiered on BT and we're waiting to see which other streaming platforms would like to pick it up. Um, but right now, I want to say it's still featured on the Tribeca website if you wanted to, to stream it online. Yeah, I, for sure. Yeah. Now, while you were there, and I, I tried to get there, but did you get a chance to check out the LFG documentary for the U.S. Women's National Team? I know that was there. Um, no, I did not. I was only there just for my specific uh, premiere for my uh, film, which I was very thankful that DC allowed me to go um, to, to see. So, yeah. No, I'm going to have on my next guest on this is Crystal Dunn. She's from New York. Um, yeah. yeah. What would you like to tell her, anyone else on that team, any females, any girls listening right now? So just know that, that we're, we're standing in solidarity with, with you all um, with the fight for, for equal pay and, you know, just love watching them play. It, it sucks that it's 2021 and we're still going through this, but you know, we may not be the ones to see the results, but the future generation will. And that's why we have to continue to do the work. And, and I'm very thankful that they have not given up hope. Being traded by Liberty, your hometown team, after six seasons in the middle of a pandemic. What was that like for you? There's always a season, you know, nothing lasts forever. And, um, you know, I'm very thankful for my time playing for New York Liberty and the teammates and, and individuals along the way that I've crossed paths with being able to play at Madison Square Garden. Um, so yeah, I'm always thankful. I'm still cheering them on. Uh, you know, they're doing really well. So yeah, they're the future generation. So it's really good to see such young players come collectively together and being able to compete at this high level. You know, we're all regarded as pros regardless of your age. So it's really beautiful basketball to see. I've talked with your dad actually at the Westchester County Center. What I'm sure he, he's at the games and maybe he might even come down to DC too, but what's it like to come back and play in New York? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be, be fine. Um, you know, I've, yeah. Started my career with Connecticut Sun and, and would play against New York Liberty at the Prudential Center and at MSG. So, um, yeah, it's going to be like any other game, just trying to get the win. Right now with Washington, as we speak, you lead the WNBA in points per game, you're eighth in the league in average minutes per game at 32 years old. To whom do you accredit all this? Your, your little renaissance? Oh, um, <laughs> I'll say myself. You know, I, I took it amongst myself to carry myself a certain way throughout my career. Um, be in shape and be respectful to the game and those coming up. And I also have to credit just up and coming players that's coming into this league, you know, um, due to their skill, due to them being good. I want to make sure that I always have a place in this league for as long as possible. So the fact that the league keeps getting better with its players, is the reason why I have to always be in the gym and respect to them. So, yeah. We've heard of the men's dream team, right? And we're the same age actually. So we've heard of the men's dream team, but when, when you look at, 
the WNBA's all-time scoring leaders. You'll find three players from your current Olympic team on that top 11. Diana Taurasi, number one, Sue Bird, number nine, and you, number 11. What nickname would you give to the women's team? I have no clue. (laughs) I mean, we just go out there and get it done. Um, We just go out there and compete. We just play hard. Um, You know, we, we actually check our egos and who we are for our WNBA team at the door, you know, you, you, you sacrifice the me for the we, and that's what USA basketball is about. You know, the individuals that are normally make that team are the individuals who are selfless are individuals that, you know, think less of themselves. And, and, you know, a lot of people forget about that. It's not about the points or what you do on the court, but how selfless are you? Um, so, yeah. About the Olympics and you mentioned it before, but the, but the quote I saw on your Instagram was you think the first time you get lucky, the second one, you're blessed. The third one, it's like, all right, you must be doing something right. What is it that you think you're doing right? I'm just playing the game the right way. I think I'm still playing the game at a high level at my age, you know. Um, and so that's important to me. Uh, just being able to play the game as consistently as I can before, you know, I hang up my, my shoes. So the fact that I'm able to do this at my age at a high level and the amount of minutes that I'm playing, it, it means a lot to me. And I still, I still love the game and I just think my future is still bright. I'm talking with Tina Charles here on The Fan. Tina, my last question is not if, but when the Hall of Fame comes calling. How do you incorporate the city of New York into your speech? I have no clue. You know, God willing, I get to see that day. Um, and then when it, if it ever happens, you know, that's, that's when I'll think about it. But um, I'm always thankful for, for New York. I'm always thankful for my roots. Yeah. Tina, thanks so much for joining us tonight. And, and good luck. Welcome back, everybody, to McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan in New York City on this July 4th Independence Day. Happy July 4th to everybody out there listening. Uh, thank you. I want to just take a second to thank you for allowing me to be a part of your holiday weekend. And it is daybreak here in the city at 5.05 in the morning, which means it's our, our final hour of the show here. So if you guys want to get aboard, 877-337-6666. And never fear, I will be back on Monday, everybody, at 11 p.m. 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. Monday night. So, you got a double dose of me. Although it's not a, a back-to-back doubleheader. It's it like the Mets and Yankees are about to play a little bit later today. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's two days in a row almost, technically, right? Because I'm on the air Sunday and then again on Monday night. So, Welcome back into the show, everybody. It has been dominated by the New York Yankees. Talk about the New York Yankees. Listen, before we get into any of this, yes, the Yankees lost the game to the Mets, but the Mets played a really good game. They had a no-hitter. Taiwan Walker had a no-hitter through five and a third innings. The Yankees didn't hit the ball through five and a third innings. Okay, that's the first thing. So when we talk about themes of these teams, let's take the Mets first. Starting pitching has been amazing for them. They entered Saturday with the lowest ERA for any starting pitching staff in the league, 2.9. Of course, aided by Jacob deGrom's uh, unworldly, other human, alien performance this season so far, right? With that being said, the Mets also, I know they don't score a ton of runs, right? One of, I think they are last or, or right next to last at runs scored per game, average runs scored per game, but they know how to hit the ball. 
They had a few seeing eye singles, that's for sure. But when you look at the box score, the Mets finished Saturday's game with 14 hits. 14. Yankees, three. And all of those 14 hits that the Mets had, not one of them was a home run. They were all, you know, singles. There there was one double in the game. That's it. One double. Everything else was a single. How crazy is that? I'm looking at the box score right now. They had immense production from Brendan Nimmo, who is back after I think May 1st was the last time he saw game action. What a little spark plug that guy is. He is my favorite Met. He hit 500. And combined, we've got uh, uh, Nimmo, Lindor, Dom Smith, the first three hitters of that order. Nimmo. In Italian, it's Nemo. Lindor and Dom Smith. They were eight for 15, six runs, four RBIs, two walks. Hmm. Nice production from their top three. Let's look at the Yankees' top three. Let me add this up really quickly. Eight, nine, ten, eleven. They were, that is, LeMahieu, Judge, Sanchez. They were one for 11, and that one being Aaron Judge's solo home run. What a difference. Look at the top three. What a difference between the two teams. That's kind of where we've been tonight, kind of differentiating between the two teams, the two different uh, mentalities, philosophies in assembling these two teams. And when you look at it, it's really crazy to me because the Mets have won 42 games. The Yankees have won 41. And yet, in the matter of perspective, the Mets are in first place in the NL East. And the Yankees, though, are, let's see, let's take the AL East first. The Yankees are nine and a half games behind the Red Sox. They are in fourth place in the AL East. And if you wanted to look ahead to if the season ended today, would the Yankees even be a wild card team? The answer is no. The Yankees are still, I mean, if the season ended today, Oakland, the Oakland Athletics would get the first wild card spot. The second one would go to the Tampa Bay Rays. So when you think about it, the Yankees are five games back of the Rays in the wild card. And they would have to leapfrog one, two, three teams and then knock Tampa Bay out. So technically four teams they would have to leapfrog. And what's their record against the the Rays? What are they, five and eight versus the Rays this season? So the picture I'm trying to paint here is that the Yankees, if if nothing changes, let's, let's, hold on, let's put a parameter on this. If nothing changes, if there are no coaching changes, If there is not a managerial change, if there's not a change at general manager, these Yankees are not going to make the playoffs. And with that in mind, because the trade deadline is July 30th, with that in mind, you blow it up. You blow the whole thing up. You get what you can get for Gary Sanchez. I've seen enough out of him. I mean, how many times do we have to watch and stomach Gary Sanchez behind the plate? Two times today, I I was like, you got to be kidding me. The first of which was when in the inning, it was the top of the third. Gary Sanchez was crossed up behind the plate. Okay? He was crossed up behind the plate. And Jordan Montgomery puts his index finger up and it points it to the sky. And he says, it was one. 
it was one. And he was he was mad. Because that means to me, like, listen, I tell my teams this. Physical mistakes, they're going to happen, right? Mental mistakes, there's no excuse for. Especially if you are a team that's hovering around 500. There is no excuse for a mental mistake. And Gary Sanchez had an entirely huge one when he didn't know which. He threw signs down, and he didn't know which, which was the correct sign. And then he got crossed up, and the ball went back to the backstop. That, that mental mistake by an MLB catcher is completely unacceptable. Unacceptable. Hopefully, if you go and try and shop him and trade him, no one's looking that close at him. Hopefully. And how many times do we have to listen to the Yankees booth say, and that one gets away from Sanchez. This is the top of the fifth now. Sanchez can't get his glove turned the correct way. I mean, I know that I got some Little League coaches listening right now. When you work with your catchers, don't you teach them to put their fingers to the ground on a ball, low and in the dirt especially? Then you block it with your chest protector, right? That's fundamental baseball. Well, Gary Sanchez must have missed that lesson. He must have been absent that day of practice because he still, as a major league baseball catcher, still has his glove turned the wrong way. Guess what? Top of the fifth inning, that's what happened. And he gave away a run. And I know the game ended up being sort of like kind of like a blowout. But at that point, not only did the ball make its way to the backstop, Gary Sanchez had no clue where the ball was. And I know that's on the pitcher to point, you know, is it glove side or or, or bare hand side? But Jordan Montgomery did do that. I watched for it. He pointed towards like the Yankee dugout. He did point that way. Gary Sanchez was, he, he didn't know where the ball was. And guess what? The Mets scored. At that point, it was 3 nothing Mets, and the runners advanced to second and third. They didn't end up scoring, luckily, because Pilar grounded out to end the inning. But I have seen enough from Gary Sanchez. Enough. Now, if this is the plan to blow this up at the deadline, which is my opinion, right, if nothing changes, because I know this is a very fluid situation, everybody, right? You got Hal Steinbrenner, um, Basically, vilifying the players, and rightly so, because they are not playing up to standard. I understand that. But if nothing changes, you blow it up. And I, I just, you get what you can get for Sanchez. You trade Glaber Torres, you blow by the, the, the luxury tax next year, and you go out and get yourself a real shortstop. You promote Kyle Higashioka and fill in some depth behind him. I mean, those are the moves that I would make if I were to blow it up and to concede this season. Because right now, these Yankees, see, it would be a different story if if this team showed you any resolve, any grit, any desire to win ball games. I said it before; they're they're on. It seems like these Yankees are just on autopilot. Yeah, they're gonna. They have enough talent to succeed. They're going to do it. They're going to get it done. And I mean, these press conferences with Aaron Boone, I mean, they're reaching Adam Guru level, honestly, guys. Because he said after Saturday's game, the history of this game is littered with teams overcoming larger obstacles than this with a half season to go. We can't start thinking about the margin you have to chase down. We just got to go play well and become the team we expect to be or else that becomes a moot point. And there is that phrase again. 
become the team we expect to be. And as I told you last week, they are halfway down the season or through the season. Those expectations, I told you last week, might need to be lowered. And they finally got to the heart of realizing the problem that their roster maybe, potentially might be constructed fundamentally wrong. I can't continue to watch these opposing batters have their way at Yankee Stadium with the short porch when when the Yankees roster, when the Yankees lineup, I mean, there's like barely a lefty in the lineup. I mean, you don't have to look any for you're not look you don't need a power bat. You don't need a super duper power bat in that lineup. You look at what Kemp did from the from the Oakland Athletics. The guy entered play with two home runs. He had two home runs in two days at Yankee Stadium. And and, and not to mention Sanchez's defensive struggles, right? I know he's on somewhat of a high offensively, which is why you should sell him now. But remember what I've been telling you? How ace Garrett Cole didn't want Gary Sanchez to catch him. About how in the starts leading up to and including number two, Corey Kluber's no-hitter, Sanchez was not behind the plate. See, we mentioned this about two weeks ago. These guys can dictate who who they want their catcher to be. So when Kluber comes back, my question is, okay, so then Gary Sanchez is going to be sitting out for two starts of, of two of the pitchers in that rotation? Then what are you catching, three of the other pitchers? I mean, what's the point? And I also told you that guys like Tyone and Montgomery, they, they just they don't have the clout to be able to say, like, I don't want Gary Sanchez buying the plate today. They just they don't have the clout. And, and to see the, 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 the mix-up on the sign... You know, a major league catcher can't figure out how to turn his glove the right way. I mean, it's just so brutal. It's like Sayonara Sanchez, Adios Amigo, like we're done. I've I've seen enough. And and, and I've never gotten to this point with Gary Sanchez. I always believed that he could be better. He could you know, I I always believe in the players and in their ability to to overcome. Gary Sanchez, there's nothing to overcome. I mean, especially, again, a team that's hovering around 500. You, these are mistakes that you can't afford to have. The whole entire con- complexion of the game changed at that point. Three nothing Mets, and we talked about this, and I was trying to find the date for you guys that we talked about this, but it was it was within the first month of the season because it was enough for me to tally up on my own the, the wins and losses. You know, when the Yankees were got down, this is a theme throughout the season. I, I haven't looked beyond the first month, but... When the Yankees got down, like especially early in a game, they couldn't come back. They ended up losing those games, most of them anyway. And you're seeing it. Three nothing might as well have been thirty to nothing. Again, good for the Mets. Applaud them. They hit the ball fourteen times today, uh, Saturday. So, as much as as everybody wants to put Aaron Boone on the hot seat, Brian Cashman on the hot seat, I mean. Literally, there have been no changes to this Yankee team. Marcus Timms, he's still got a job. I, I, I wonder, I'm wondering, you know, how? When you've got Taiwan Walker having a, a no-hitter through five and a third today. And so, where do the Yankees go from here? Uh, I don't know. And, and you know, here, and here's the thing, too. Like, I was at the game on Wednesday. 
that's a whole nother story. I, t- I got into it before, but I was at the game. Most, I mean, I got into the game and it was already 2 nothing Angels because the lines at the stadium were ridiculously long. But you got Aaron Boone saying on Monday that the season is on the line. In that game, he benched 2021 All-Star, by the way, the only player repping New York City in the All-Star game, right fielder Aaron Judge. He, he benched him, and he benched Gio Urshela against Shohei Otani on Wednesday night. And then he doubled down on the decision. He said, I have to, at times, keep the big picture in mind, especially with him. Um, The big picture. I'm sorry, maybe I missed it. Maybe it was me. Maybe I missed it. But isn't the big picture to make the postseason and win a World Series? Isn't that the reason that two of your hottest hitters, hottest players, should remain in the lineup versus on the bench? I'm sorry. And then you got Aaron Judge calling the team to his chambers for a players-only meeting, and they haven't won a game since. None of it worked. So where do they go from here? And, And you guys... You, you don't even need to listen to the Aaron Boone press conference and after the game. You already know what he's going to say. We played that game on my Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, once before. He literally said, it's like, question, and then he goes right to the blue index card that's on the podium next to him. He just finds the answer. Question, oh, let me find the answer. It's like, it's, just a, it's ridiculous. And so he read off this blue index card after after Saturday's game. It's definitely frustrating I know what these guys are capable of. I know what we're capable of. What I say to that, rinse, repeat. So we will take your calls right after this break, 877-337-6666 in the final hour here on The Fan, McCartan After Midnight. Celebrate your July 4th like a pro with The Fan all day as the Yankees and Mets continue their Subway Series with a good old-fashioned doubleheader. Tune in at 1.25 p.m. with first pitch at 2.05. Then it's more Subway Series action at 7.05 with pregame at 6.25. Driven by Jeep. Catch John Sterling and Susan Waldman with all the play-by-play right here on The Fan. Did a full one Yeah, Yankee fans are wishing that the Yankees did a full 180 here. It has been a rough go of it. Um, They're replaying the highlights right now of Gary Sanchez's uh, inability to turn his glove the right way, and it's 3-0 Mets on TV in the studio here. And you guys, you know what? It's the 4th of July. Beaches, backyard barbecues, and Nathan's hot dogs. Oh, yeah, it's time for the 2021 Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. At Coney Island. Reigning champion, Joey Chestnuts. There's no S. I always put an S there. Joey Chestnut is ready. He weighed in at 242 pounds at Hudson Yards. He's coming off a performance where he ate 75 hot dogs with buns in 10 minutes, which is disgusting. And he said of this year, is a quote, hopefully 76 or 77 sounds doable. I think that eating 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes is as difficult, obviously in a different way, as some of the more difficult feats in sports. I'm also not saying that this is a sport. I'm comparing it to a sports feat. But what it's worth, I do not watch the competition. It actually makes me want to throw up something I have not done since I was in sixth grade. So you know what? I'm good. Just I'll look on Twitter. I'll find out how many hot dogs a guy eats. Maybe it's 77. Who knows? But I think the whole thing is just disgusting. Ugh, I can't even watch it. Yeah. All right, back to the phones. Let's go to uh, 877-337-6666. By the way, if you can't get through, 
You guys can tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Um, before we do that really quickly, we have a winner crowned for the Listener's Choice Special Subway Series Beatboxing. Listener's Choice winner with a late surge was Tim Healy from Newsday. He got, let's round up, 61% of the votes, defeating Brandon Cuddy from NJ.com and the Star Ledger. So there you go. I had Tim Healy, too. So we agree. Let's go to Brooklyn. Stuart, you're up on the fan. Happy Fourth of July, Danielle. You too, Stuart. Danielle, uh, what have we been talking about the last few weeks? Who has got to say adios? They have to give. They have to do this. If they don't do this, and then how finally came out and said we're going to go over the tax. Oh yeah, that was the what, best. That was the best. Oh, that was so far. That was so. What took you so long? What took you so long right. to wake up? Exactly. So if, if Stuart, if you're going to go over the tax now on July 4th and up through July 30th, why couldn't you do it in the off season and then you wouldn't be in this predicament? Maybe. Exactly. Exactly. Danielle, they wouldn't be in this predicament, and I'm tired of Gary Sanchez with the defense like you've been saying. He doesn't know which way to turn the glove. You're major league catcher. You're supposed to know from day from day one. You're supposed to know. Uh, exactly. They try, That's what they teach. And Marcus Thames, say goodbye. What what hitting coach? There's no coach. I know. I, it's just. Uh, and I, like I said to I, you, Boone, I could rewind his post game conferences from 2018 after the losses. Same thing. I mean, and Brian Cashman. When did you ever hear the general manager being in a position for 23 years? Uh, and winning one World Series with a team that wasn't even his? I'm not sure. I don't think we've ever seen that. And uh, let's say this much. Hal Steinbrenner, I remember him saying, this is my family's commitment to put a championship team on the field every year. Or I remember that for the winter of 2008 when they got all those players to get that team for 2009. What happened, Hal? Where are you, Hal? And where's uh, and George is turning over in his, his grave every five seconds. I mean, yep. and, and uh, number three is turning over in his grave every five seconds watching this team perform. They, not, they, they have no clue. They don't have a clue. And the Emory judge calls a meeting. Oh, whoop they do You know, my friend said to us, uh, somebody I, was, I speak to, he said, who would you trade Otani for? Uh, who would you trade for Otani? He proposed, he proposed a trade. Who would you trade for Shohai uh, Otani? Yeah, and okay, we came say? up in discussion. I said to him, Aaron Judge and then some. What would you say about that? I would say, Stuart, that, that's a good little proposal there. Uh, it's not going to happen, theoretically. Well, now we're playing fantasy GM, but you know what? Um, I would do it because Shohei Otani, uh, he's pretty built for Yankee Stadium. And that's the problem that the Yankees have. They don't have that, that, that big bat or even that lefty that could potentially put a ball over the wall out there in, in right field. And so, you know, you got Cashman saying that this is not an Aaron Boone problem. This is not a coaching staff problem. So so then whose is it, right? It's the players. He put it on the players at that point. And then Hal Steinbrenner, in lockstep with him, basically says that, I mean, he comes out and tells you, it's the responsibility of, of the inconsistent offense or the bad base running. By the way, that's coachable. Bad base running, that's coachable. Okay, he said the responsibility lies with the players. They're the ones on the field, right? They're a group of very talented professional athletes that are playing the game at the highest level in the world. They need to fix this problem. 
The players need to fix this problem because everyone, including our fan base, and rightfully so, has had enough. Quite frankly, it's enough. Okay, but maybe the players are playing to the, t- the best of their ability. Who knows? I mean, Glaber Torres, what about him? I, I read you the stats uh, before. I, I mean, I looked at Glaber Torres, and over the last 10 games, he's got a 149 batting average, three RBIs, 146 slugging percentage, zero. The guy has hit six home runs in the past two seasons, zero this year. I mean, I'm sorry, zero over the last 10 games. He's got three home runs last year, three home runs this year. This has got to be like a mechanical issue, right? Why uh, why can't Marcus Thames seem to find it with all the video and everything going on? Why can't they diagnose it? If if nothing changes, blow it up. Gleyber Torres would be first on the list to go for me, and Gary Sanchez would be like a close second. Again, you have to d- determine what you're getting back for him, of course. But next year, that free agent shortstop class... Looks really appetizing to me if I'm the Yankees. Trade Glaber Torres somewhere he could play second base. Let's go to Connor in Brooklyn. You're up next on the fan. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Um, I just wanted to quickly say that, well, first, as a Yankees fan, I think it's pretty simple. Just you have to bring in lefty bats, and you have to bring in guys that will play well in their vicinity right that and, will and, play and, well and in cashman their stadium is, right and cashman has been there for so long how did he just like it, it, did he ignore it did he not realize it? i mean like i don't understand i i honestly i couldn't even tell you just the when it comes to swinging the bat you need you know you need a little you need some uh out of sorts you got to put the pitcher you know out of rhythm and that is not what they're doing right but anyway um might seem a little off topic but with all of the digital services that are, you know, crowding the old school radio traditions, what are you willing to do to compete with all of that and keep radio relevant, you know, over the next 10 years? Because I'm 25 years old and I'm one of the only people that I know at my age that listen to, you know, sports radio or any type of radio. And I'm telling you now, radio is going to die out in the next 10 years. So I just wanted to hear from you. Yeah, Connor. And um, I mean, if, if I really had the real answer to that question, I would be the program director, but I am not. But I can tell you that, I, I mean, here on the fan, we, we, I mean, right now, Nick has already podcasted out my, what do you say, my opening and, and then the, the, the one thing. Yep. It's already up. It's already in, in, in like miniature chunks. So the opening monologue is already up. There's some things that are already up. So you don't need to listen to the whole thing. You can kind of get it on demand whenever you want. That I mean, that would be first. Second, I know that they are absolutely utilizing the social media channels to push out content so that maybe you can be, you know, hooked in or something like that. Um, I think to when I had Todd Frazier on last week, actually surprised, there's a video interview component to it. So in addition to the people that listen live, when they posted it to the Facebook page, the WFAN Facebook page, it got almost 4,000 views. So um, it's almost like supplementing what goes on here in the studio. But if I had the real existential answer to that question, um, I would be making millions of dollars in some lofty office somewhere as uh, whatever, some massive title. So um, I could tell you what we've been doing here and – it seems to be working, I think, right? 
But, you know, get your friends. Send send your friends my, the podcast of, of my show. Send them the interview. Send them and, and see what they think. And, of course, for me, anyways, it's engaging with you guys throughout. I'm on weekly, so throughout the week, engaging with you guys on social media channels. You know, when you build a relationship, it's, uh, you know, you know, personal working relationship, then they're more willing to call back and, and, and be a part of the show and be a part of it. Because as much as this is my show, this is also your guys' show. I mean, I give you the topics, I give you the information, you guys react. I give you my opinions, and then you guys react. Just like James is about to do. North Arlington, New Jersey. James, you're on the fan. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on in the morning. Uh, but let's not forget today is uh, George's birthday, uh, July 4th. It is. And uh, oh, I, I like your other caller about all these people turn over in their grave. <laughs> but I think maybe someone's missed a little, a little point here that never happens. And, and George, uh, George, I'm... Uh, John and Susan, they've been criticizing the team. And, and they've been, well, over the years, or over 25 years on the radio, they've always been called the biggest homers, maybe in the sports world. But I, I haven't heard anybody call up talking about how they've been criticizing the team, which I think is a compliment to themselves. But maybe the owner, even though he came out sort of like so, you know, in favor of not getting rid of everybody, mm-hmm. but he. You would think in the old days they would maybe put them on the hot seat, but the fact that that the owner didn't talk about it, or, or there's really been no like behind the scenes word that they may be losing their jobs because they're criticizing the team, there may be more going on than we know because they never criticize the teams, the, the Yankee team, and I've never heard a Yankee announcer ever be so critical of a team. What do you think about that? Yeah, and James, that's a good point, and and I I typically. I like I'm a visual person. I like to watch on TV, but when I'm in the car or something, I do listen on the radio. And I have heard John and Susan criticizing the team, but on TV too, you got Michael K. He, he, I mean, on TV, he's criticizing them on TV. You've got David Cohn also, and and Paul O'Neill. He doesn't really do much for me on the broadcast. I'll be honest with you, he doesn't really bring much to it. But the fact that Hal Steinbrenner has basically said it's it's on the players. Everybody's. I'm I'm totally paraphrasing, right? But basically, it's it's on the players, the manager and the and the uh, and the general manager are are safe. Basically, that just breeds this whole air of complacency that has settled into this Yankee team, and Yankee fans are not used to that. Yankee te- Yankee fans are used to seeing Derek Jeter diving into the stands, coming up with a bloody chin, needing stitches. I mean, Yankee fans are used to seeing the fire of CC Sabathia on the mound. I'm talking recent, you know, recent history. These are these are my Yankees forward, you know, quote unquote my Yankees. I mean, Yankee fans are used to seeing that, and I, I'm not seeing it in these Yankees. I'm not seeing the fire. I mean, you got Brett Gardner like a moron banging the the helmet against the the roof of the dugout. I mean, it's just idiotic. It's moronic. I, I can't. I, if, I wish the camera would never even have caught him banging them with the with the uh, the bat. I think it's moronic. I think it's ridiculous. First of all, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the leadership qualities. Aaron Judge called the meeting. I like the idea. They haven't won a game since. You've got Gary Sanchez who can't catch a ball. You've got Glaber Torres making throwing errors. You got Luke Voigt not coming off the. I mean, it's all fundamental baseball that this team is not understanding. And that falls on the coaching staff. I got a tweet from uh, at John Trombetta before. He says, how puts this all on the players? But we have several players that have regressed. Isn't that firmly on the coaching staff? I wrote back, agreed. Shake it up. 
Not shake it off, Taylor Swift. Shake it up. And, I mean, what do you expect Hal Steinbrenner to do? Uh, you know, throw everybody underneath the bus? Put it on the players. That's what Cashman did. That's clearly the strategy moving forward. But they have to make a change. To continue in, on this autopilot, this line of autopilot, it's, just, it's, not, it's not good. It's not good news for the Yankees. The apathy that has set in on this team is just... And whatever's going on behind the scenes, but I'm looking at what's on the field. I see in a group of apathetic players who are just complacent and being told, being stroked, being said, like, hey, you know, you guys are good enough. It'll turn around. Well, here we are, July 4th. It hasn't turned around. Chris in Jackson Heights, you're up next on The Fan. Daniel, I'm uh, glad to be on your show. Of course. Thanks um, for calling. Uh, I've been listening for like, more, more or less uh, the past half hour, half mm-hmm. hour, and you've made some solid points. Actually, uh, you've kind of like changed the way that I wanted to go about uh, discussing certain matters. I like it. But to make it mostly about the Yankees, mm-hmm. but first to make it to my Mets. Yeah. Um, what I see as far as in the lineup, uh, I would love if they kept Nemo in the, in the leadoff. Of course. Uh, once Villar comes back, I want him in the number two. And Lindor in the number three, and then I guess afterwards you could probably put um, Pete as number four, and maybe Conforto, you know, after him. Or Smith. Uh, with yeah. Smith, oh yes, <laughs> see, I yeah. forgot about Smith. That's that's the thing about the beauty about having your players coming back healthy is that now that lineup is going to be even much greater. Well, and Chris, McNeil also too. Yeah. This is the beauty of playing in an AL ballpark. You can get both Smith and Alonzo in the lineup. That is why at first. I was hesitant about the DH rule for the NL, but no way. what time. happened? What happened with uh, last year and seeing that yeah. that being Smith as the first baseman and and P. Alonso doing most of the DH, yep. Yep. I welcome it for next season. Of Hopefully, course. it does come back. Yes, but the think, old school part of me, the old school part of me, wants to see the pitcher um, bat and stuff no. like that, especially with the Grom and uh. you know. Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> But, yeah, to keep it on the Yankees, yeah. uh, the first thing, like you were mentioning about uh, Sanchez's defense, yes, it's kind of horrific just watching him yesterday. And I didn't see the part in which the pitcher had pointed or had mentioned. Yes. It's yes. just number one. I didn't see it. Yes. But that, that seems kind of comical that that happened, that at this point in the season, they're still having mix-ups. Embarrassing, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, for a major leaguer, you would think so because that is your that is your career. That is what you work on every single day. Exactly. And you would hope that you you focus on that. Um, with Cashman, I guess I'll be one of the the few, if anything. I I'm for him. I think he he's done a well enough job. I mean, people have forgotten that he got a uh, Gleyber Torres, and I understand he's having a bad year, but also he brought Urshela. He came, I believe, from Toronto for nothing. I believe for cash. Are people forgetting about that? And Urshela has been like, he's been splendid for the Yankees. And around here in this community, yes. he's Colombian, so he's praised here. Yes, he, he's been great for sure. Um, but Chris, when you look at a lot of these moves that he's made, I mean, let's start. The biggest mistake has been the Giancarlo Stanton trade. Oh, you know what I mean? That, like, was- that has handcuffed this Yankees team for, for the life of his contract, unless they can do something with it, which, which runs through 2028. Do you think just because of the relationship of Jeter with the Yankees, you think that influenced him coming to New York or to the Yankees? Mm, I, I, I feel like he may like, hey, you know, you could trust me. Yeah. I'm Jeter. Yeah. I brought you this. Yeah. Hey, come on. Take him off my hands. Yeah. 
Uh, and it could also have been too, Chris, that, you know, of course, Giancarlo Stanton was coming off the MVP season, of course, but I told you, and I'll tell you again, they didn't need him. They already had a player like him. And and maybe, I was thinking about that too earlier on Saturday, like, hey, maybe Derek Jeter kind of pulled one over on his on his former team, you know, the trust factor and all that. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And And people hated Jeter in Miami when it first happened. Hated him. But now look, Giancarlo Stanton has not only clogged up the payroll of the Yankees through the life of this contract for one, two, three, four, five, six more seasons. Uh, in 2028, he's got a club option. So let's 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 say that the Yankees are going to decline that club option. But so one, two, three, four, five, six more seasons after this one, he's clogging up the payroll and he's clogging up the lineup. What do you mean you can't play in the outfield? What do you mean you're a $29 million DH? Oh, but they're building up his legs with, with the uh, idea that he's going to play in the field in the uh, end of this in the month of July. Okay, I'll believe it when I see it. All right, we'll take. We have to hit a quick break here. We'll take more of your calls. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Jersey Mike's Yankees Monday box office blitzes are back and coming up tomorrow. We're giving away field level tickets hourly from six a.m. to six p.m. to see the Bronx Bombers and Seattle Mariners at Yankee Stadium on Friday, August sixth. You've got to be listening to Win here on the Fan and streaming on WFAN.com. Feeling my way through the darkness. Welcome back to McCartan in the morning here on the fan in New York City. We have found our way through the darkness. We are on the final segment here, the final stretch. We're on the home stretch here. Bob Salter comes your way at 6 a.m. This has been a dominant Yankee show tonight. I, I want to make sure that you guys all that call in get, a, get to be a part of this. Um, at 877-337-6666. That is the phone number. At Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N is the Twitter handle. In case you can't get through, I am reading some good tweets on air, of course. And, uh, yeah, I I think we just get right back to it. And we are rolling for the next uh, 15 minutes or so. So let's go in the order that you guys called, of course, as always. Andy in Miami, you're up next on the fan. Coach, buongiorno, how are you? (laughs) Buongiorno, Andy. Oh, my God. I had the best Italian meal ever. Got some broccoli rob, got some cannoli, got some chocolate malt cake. Knew you'd love it. Oh, nice. Uh, okay. Oh, my God. So good. I'll keep it short and sweet, Coach. Number one, as it relates to the Yankees, you know, they signed an outfielder this week, and you know the outfielder that they traded for was a right-handed outfielder. I did notice that. Yes, Locastro is a righty. Yes. Yes, and the purpose of getting Locastro was for his speed, which I thought was the purpose of having Frazier for. But when you take Frazier who you already have demoted and kept him down for the previous season. Mm -hmm. He's going to be the starter. Mm -hmm. And when he goes 0 for 9, and he's immediately benched for a couple of games. Yet Luke Luke Voigt is 1 for 16 currently, and he's still the starting first baseman. But go ahead. Right. So I could understand Gary Sanchez for his abysmal play in the field. But when you take Clint Frazier, who raked last year, Mm -hmm. and at 0 for 9, he's benched. I don't know the message you're sending him. I don't know the purpose. And to have yet another righty bat added to this field is madness. So when, you know, when the owner says it's my fault, it's Brian's fault, it's the manager's fault, but really it's the player's fault. What he's really saying is it's not my fault. It's not Brian's fault. And it's not the manager's fault. Right. And, you know, if you want to have nine righties, go ahead and do it. And coach, you always inspire me. So listening to you make the comment, about you don't want to see Brett Gardner with with the helmet. 
you know, um, the outfielder, the left fielder made a nice catch when Brett Gardner hit that. Yes. And he waved disgustedly at the left fielder. You know yes. who the left fielder was? Yeah, it was a, it was a Pilar, wasn't it? Wait, I have the, the lineup. It was, you got it. You're yeah, right. it was, It right? was Pilar. Yep. And you, you want to talk what being a leader is? It's not banging your helmet. It's mm-hmm. taking a 95-mile-an-hour fastball and coming to the field the next day ready to play. Exactly. Even though they order you and wearing a mask and just being beloved by your teammates. Yep. That's what being a leader is. It's mm-hmm. not about banging a helmet. Yep. Uh, and, and, and he's lucky to be playing on this team. I, if it was up to me, he'd be gone years ago. Exactly. And, you know, he got re-signed yet again. Mm-hmm. So every year we're told Brett Gardner is going to be your fourth outfielder, your fifth outfielder. And at the end of the year, Brett Gardner is always your starter. Yep. If that's not an indictment on the general manager, nothing is. And I'm going to make this point really quick so the rest of the callers can get in. Mm-hmm. I want to give it out to the general manager, Douglas, who, again, signed this kid, Moses, from the Redskins, who was a starter. And if you add him with Vera Tucker and you add him, you know, with Becton, I really think he's helping out the quarterback who I understand we were concerned about being from BYU and not being in the big city. But if you watched any of those Islander games and you watched him bond with the yeah. offensive line, yeah, cool, and right? you got Elijah Moore, right, and you got Elijah Moore added, I really think that they're putting this kid in a position to do well. Yeah. And Coach, I love you and happy July 4th. Oh, thanks, Andy. You too. Thanks. Um, and that's the problem that the Jets – had with Sam Darnold. He had no offensive line in front of him, and they are not making that mistake twice. So, uh, yes, I agree with you. It's going to be exciting to see. Mike up in Boston. Mike, you're on the fan. Hi, Danielle. I'm a big fan for the last 18 months that I've heard you. Oh, thanks. But anyway, regarding the uh, how well the Yankees are playing, we have no complaints here at all, and uh, we're very <laughs> happy about Whitlock and Atavino. Well, I'm sure you guys got a good one in Ottavino that the Yankees kind of swung and missed on. And uh, and the Red Sox, your team, the Red Sox, who knew? Who knew that the Red Sox right now at this moment in time have the third best winning percentage in all of baseball behind the San Francisco Giants and the L.A. Dodgers? And then it's the Boston Red Sox. Who knew? Okay. Uh, good for you. Good for you. I, I appreciate the call, though. I do like that. I'll rub it in there. I do like that. Let's go, Sam and Hackensack. You're up next on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. Um, just real quick on yeah. the hot dog eating contest. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm taking this a little bit from Howard Stern. Thirty when back in 1970 it was a fun contest. It was 20 fat guys eating hot dogs with the rolls with mustard, mm-hmm. and everybody loved it. When they started with the science, with the water, taking the rolls off, dipping it into the water, that's when it got not only disgusting, but it, it, it's outlived its purpose. People don't walk into Nathan's and say, hey, I want 70 hot dogs, and make sure you give me a big glass of water so I can dump them. It's like, it's, yeah. the, it's crazy. They should have hit the reset button on this nonsense a long time ago. It, and, no water allowed. Yeah. No analytics allowed in the hot yeah, dog eating contest. I mean, it's like, and then, here's the thing, okay? Um, I got a few pounds to lose myself, okay? When I see somebody 130 pounds eating 60 hot dogs, <laughs> I'm offended. <laughs> I mean, I eat three hot dogs, I put on five pounds. <laughs> it's okay? disgusting. So, you know, I, know. It's, I know. I can't watch it. It's disgusting. It, it's not the – it's like stupid now. <laughs> and I just I, – I think it's terrific and, uh, you know, keep going. And as far as the guy that said about radio, radio will always serve its purpose because there's always going to be guys like me. And, it, you know, come on. It, it, I'm sure SAN is on all the top, you know, uh, stuff and all the um, state-of-the-art stuff, and there will always be radio. Yes, okay. Sam. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks. You too. Happy Fourth of July, and I appreciate 
guys like you, of course, as always. Let's go in the order that you guys called. Uh, yeah, I think we could do it. Let's go. Alex in New Haven, Connecticut. You're up next on The Fan. Hey, how you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm um, liking the uh, show so um, Thank you. I, I, um, I think it was a total, um, for lack of a better term, a clown move to, like, throw the players under the bus, you mm-hmm. know? A good general never um, always treats his soldiers right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, um, I think Cashman has made some, some bad moves. Like, he got rid of Greg Bird. I really like the guy. It was a left-handed battle for his base. He was batting, like, I think 100-something in 2019. And they got rid of him. But why won't they do the same for Clint Frazier? They got all these prospects waiting in the minors, mm-hmm. um, waiting to come up. But he wants to re-sign Brett Gardner, who was garbage last year. You know, I just, um, I don't like it. But, you know, I'm a true fan, so I stick with the team through all the ups and downs, you know? Well, the, and the Yankees certainly thank you because right now uh, I'm not sure that I'd be uh, uh, back in this team too much. I think uh, throw, I mean, throwing the players under the bus was one thing because they, they sure, they have not been performing, right, up to standard, correct? But to, to kind of give the vote of confidence and, and the seal of approval to the, the general manager and the manager at this point in time, when your team had championship and championships, even plural, goals, and you're sitting at 500, five games out of a wild card spot with four teams in front of you, uh, I don't know if anybody would be safe in the organization if I'm the owner. And we've got one more call of the night. Sparky, you are the Mariano Rivera of the night, Sparky. Welcome to the well, show. First, first of all, we live in the best country in the world, and we I do. know how fortunate I am. Okay? Now, as far as the Yankees roster, we all know it's a mess. But until you get rid of Cashman and the entire front office, it's never going to improve. Right. I mean, Coach, how can you have faith in any one of them when they're the ones that put this mess together in the first place? Exactly, right. I think the Yankees tried to sort of kind of out-moneyball, you know, outsmart everybody else, and they got stuck with a big mess on their hands. Okay, now as far as Gary Sanchez, I originally was a big supporter, but you know what? His defense, what's wrong with his defense? He's nothing but a stubborn baby. He had Joe Girardi and Coach Tony Pena and they were both tremendous defensive catches, and he wouldn't listen to them. Yep. No, I'm tell- I know. I know. Joe Girardi caught a perfect game. Called and caught a perfect game. Uh, Joe Girardi won world. I mean, yes, you're, you're totally right. Nailed it. Yes. Now, as far as Chapman, they're never going to win with him at all. It's impossible. But the thing is, I really lost total respect or anything for Chapman when he hit that kid in Tampa on the, in the head. Because, I mean, not for not pitching inside is part of the game. Right. But you don't want to kill a kid. Yeah, no, I know. And, and that's the whole d- dynamic of do you want to face a batter that has a sticky, a pitcher that has a sticky stuff or doesn't. Um, and Todd Frazier told you last week that he would like to do it versus a pitcher who, who is using it so you don't get beaten in the head, right? Thanks to all the callers. Could not have done without you guys. I will see you guys all on Monday night, 11 p.m. Happy, happy, safe 4th of July. If you guys want to rewind anything, 2 a.m. was the start of the show on the Odyssey app. 3.40 a.m. was Tim Healy versus Brandon Cuddy in a special Subway Series edition of Beatboxing. And then at 4.40, homegrown Olympian was Tina Charles from Queens, WNBA legend. 
Great job to Nick tonight behind the glass. Uh, Mike McCann on the updates. And at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. It's the Twitter handle. It's summer. Time to get out and go. You can count on hot days, a gentle breeze, and a back road that leads to a new adventure. And you can count on a Kia to take you there. For example, command the road with Kia Sportage. Unconventional by design. Inspires a sense of adventure. Ready for all roads or let the adventure begin with the Kia Sorento. Conquer the day. Your own way or the Kia Forte. Wrapped in style, refined fit and finish. So head into your local Kia dealer and trade up to a Kia. Visit Kia.com to learn more. That's Kia.com. There's never been a better time to switch to Spectrum Mobile. You could save hundreds of dollars on your mobile bill. Plus, there are no added taxes, hidden fees, and no contracts. Try the Spectrum Mobile savings calculator today, and in three easy steps, you'll see how much you could save by switching. Visit SpectrumMobile.com save. Spectrum Internet required. Savings may vary. Restrictions apply. Visit SpectrumMobile.com save for details. Listen up, is your cooling system ready for the hot summer? There's only one company to call, Edison Heating and Cooling, New Jersey's air conditioning experts for over 35 years. If your current cooling system is over 15 years old, it's time to upgrade to a high-efficiency carrier AC system now. With NJ Clean Energy and carrier rebates, you'll save money and stay cooler. Go now to New Jersey's cooling experts, EdisonHVAC.com. That's EdisonHVAC.com. Town Fair Tire is New England's largest name brand discount tire dealer with over 600,000 tires in stock. So we sell Toyo tires at prices that can't be beat. We guarantee it. Plus, when you buy your new set of Toyo tires at Town Fair, we always give you the most free services. For the guaranteed lowest price on Toyo tires, nobody beats Town Fair Tire. And I mean nobody. Name brands at discount prices. Become a better sports better. 